on episode 30 of Pixel Guide In. Ten. A battle for kart racing supremacy. Nine. We talk collectible games. There are new products on the horizon. We crack open some hazies. It's time for a safari. And some Atari. But no Warrior Brothers Ikari. Lots of dumb jokes. And plenty of 8-bit news. Another visitor. Stay a while. Stay forever. Welcome everybody, it's March, this is Cody Hoffman, this is Eric Nelson, and we're bringing you the number one retro gaming podcast uh, that, you, that you've heard <laughs> from Elk Grove, California. The number one podcast in Elk Grove. hey Do you think we probably are the number one podcast in Elk Grove, overall? Uh, well, let's not research that, I don't want to be wrong. <laughs> Because <laughs> we only have like 1.7 million viewers right now. There's probably someone out there with like two or three. That's true. I'm That's pretty true. sure. Actually, at this point, by my calculations, we should be near the billions. Should be. I think we're close. Yeah. <laughs> In my own deranged head. Eric, March has been a great month where I had so much free time to play all the games I wanted, knew everything I wanted, just like every month. At you as well? <laughs> exactly. That is exactly my experience as well. I, I always talk about how I can't stand when podcasts come hop on, like we have been lately, mm -hmm. saying, oh, I've been so busy, I haven't played very much. That's boring. So, let's just pretend. We'll just pretend, yeah. We'll pretend that we got so much done and did so many things. In reality, a couple things happened I want to get really quick. Yeah. Uh, the whole corona thing. Yeah, the coronavirus. Which we just found out today, I'm sure you did, that a, a student in our school district has it. Uh, two of them. Two now? Two, yeah. Okay, well... Nonetheless, our school dist district uh, decided to take spring break early, so our kids are off. They are. In fact, <laughs> I was at a track meet where I had I had <laughs> gotten there at 9 a.m. I sat in the rain and the cold and watched the competitors compete. My son's was last, like so it would have been at like 2 p.m. or 3 p.m. So I'm there from 9 to 2 p.m. 2 p.m. comes... They get an email, and only the Elk Grove districts had to leave the event. Yeah, there's lots of other schools from other districts there. Yep. And they got to stay and compete. They got to stay and compete. And my son, who, got, who you this, guys is, got this is his first meet. This is his first meet. This is the first meet? His first meet ever. Oh, man. And he had to go home. Couldn't run. He was all psyched and ready to go. Uh, so, I feel bad. you know, there's some bummers, but I mean, I feel for the district. They're, they're trying to protect our kids. Yeah, no, though. I don't. I don't. I don't necessarily disagree or agree. Yeah. Um, it's a hard decision, but, you know, it, it is a flu strain. Most of us who get it, I say us, people in the district get it, should be fine, but we don't want it to spread. Yeah. You know, it is elderly people are more affected and blah, blah, blah. Right. Nonetheless, pray for the coronavirus. We're, we'll, we'll move on. But I also yesterday had a bunch of time to work on things for the show. Oh, good. And uh, then my water pipe broke. Oh, no. <laughs> so there goes my yesterday. Oh, uh, that's a bummer. It took me a good four or five hours of work to get that dug up. Oh, was that outside? Yeah. 
Oh, it was wow. leaking all over the front yard. Anyways, that was that. And then, just to add insult to injury, yep. a shirt arrived from my sister. She ordered it for my Christmas present. It took two and a half months to get here, something like that. Yeah. I opened it. It was uh, a Commodore logo. Yeah. Right? Just a simple Commodore logo, a shirt that my wife would approve. And it arrives. And the Commodore logo is green with red. Okay. And the shirt came in green. Oh. So it was green on green. You couldn't see it. It looks weird. Yeah. A little red thing. I wore it once for pajamas. We washed it, and it shrunk like three sizes. I don't uh, think it was officially licensed merchandise. <laughs> they rarely are. Like the retro gaming stuff, they rarely are. Yeah. So, nonetheless, we like to start every show with... Quick Questions! Quick Questions! You say it better in the promo there. <laughs> so, I'm going to... Hey, I'm going to go first. You do that, Eric. I demand an update from you on your Jaguar. How's it been? Mm -hmm, games? Mm -hmm. Have you played many games on it? And what's the future of your Jaguar? Are you going to buy any flash carts or is anything coming up? The answer to all of this is no. No. There we go. Wow. How do I... Where's my... Uh, that was the so, no, I'm absolutely going to get a flash cart. The problem is the guy who made it, who's... Uh, makes apparently great stuff i own a retro hq yeah i own the um neo geo pocket cart love it it's a great cart he came out with the uh jaguar one uh we've talked about on the show he, he basically can't create stuff and produce stuff at the same time yeah and he's more interested in creating stuff so he's still trying to get everything up and running with the third party to make them yeah um so i missed out on the first run which had already happened by the time i got my jaguar and now i really want the cart yeah um they're, the games are just too expensive to buy them individually. That's um, what I thought. Yeah. So I have Doom, complete and boxed. Loved that one. I have, uh, I want to say, Cybermorph, complete and boxed. Yeah. Um, and I had one other game, which, oh, honestly, probably one of the worst games I've ever played in my life. Ooh. Uh, it was the car racing one, which I can't think of the name of it right now. Interesting. Um, there is one game I do think I want, because I would like to have at least three boxed games just to put them, display them. Sure. And I heard Iron Soldier is a pretty good one, and you can get that one for like 30 boxed and complete. Yeah. I heard that's one of the better top five games on the system. So with the price ranges the way they are, even though the Jaguar library is limited and you could collect the whole thing, it's probably They're very a lot of expensive. Money. Yeah. They're a lot of money, yeah. Yeah, and I've heard the same thing. That's a bummer. Yeah, Tempest 2000, I definitely want to get that. Alien vs. Predator. Um, but those, yeah, those are all like 80 to 100 bucks each. Yeah. So. Did the Jaguar have any peripherals, like like light guns or anything like that? It had a six-button controller, because okay. it comes with a three-button. They came out with a six-button. Okay. Now I say six-button. Both the three and the six also have the entire number pad, which yes. is like 12 more buttons. Yeah. Um, and they had, of course, the Jaguar CD. Yeah, yeah. I know that's a big one. Uh, outside of that, I can't recall. You think you're going to try for the CD else. if you find it? No, I heard the uh, the cart should be able to play, the CD? play those games wow. as well. That's pretty handy. So I just want to play the games on the real hardware. Yeah cool yeah not not terribly exciting but there it is good deal so eric yeah we recently got in televisions we very much enjoy yes and we largely enjoy them because you can collect actual physical games with boxes and uh the little number pad inserts for each game manuals and stuff and they're relatively inexpensive mm -hmm. still uh but w what other systems do you think it's worth collecting physical games for yeah and i th i thought about this question 
I, you know, I, I am starting to build an Intellivision collection because of the overlays and the manuals and the boxes, and they're still pretty easy to find. I think the ColecoVision, of course, because it's kind of the same deal. Uh, there is no, there are overlays for ColecoVision. Hmm. Um, you know, but there are a lot more loose cards. I see a lot more loose cards for Coleco than in. Yeah, I'm looking at mine, and I have like 50 loose cards. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I and, have. And, and, and I see loose loose card ColecoVision everywhere. Um, I wonder why that is. I probably have to look into that because in television they're almost all with boxes. Yeah, with ColecoVision they're almost all loose cards, yeah. and they're very similar controllers. Uh, yeah, I mean, God, for the, I, I, as everyone knows, I'm a big fan of EverDrive's flash carts, things like that. So it is rare that I would want to collect a retro, like retro games with it complete in box or whatever. The Intellivision's really the first one I've thought about really doing. Yeah, uh, same here, um, in large part because not only does it have the overlays and the boxes of course and they're all different colors and they're bright and they're very different with cool artwork on the front yeah but then they all have the manuals in there and with the intellivision most of the games you you need the manual you do if and it, you could look those up and there's you could scans. look them up yeah absolutely there, but, there's even a website that's really nice that has the overlays like pick full color pictures of yeah. the overlays yep. um but there's something about that oh the vectrex is another one that's so that was the one i was going to bring up. Oh, okay <laughs> yeah that, that's my other and you can see I have some over there. I yep. have a lot of carts with overlays, but no box. And I really want to get the box just to keep it all together. Yeah. But the Vectrix, of course, you need the overlay to go on the Vectrix screen mm -hmm. to create, quote unquote, color mm -hmm. or a play field of some sort. Otherwise, you just have the black background with white light. And then, um, I mean, that's the main reason. Which is all I've had. I, the f first game I got was time that Time Pilot game, Vector Pilot. Oh, I love that, yeah. Yeah, that's the first game I've got with everything, the mm -hmm. template, the box, everything. Uh, but I've thought about starting to collect, but they're getting pricey, too. And it's funny with those, <clears throat> it's not considered complete unless you have the little piece of styrofoam. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because if you open the box, there's the, the overlay, of course, and then there's everything that holds the manual and everything together. And then there's a little piece of styrofoam that you put your game on top of. And if that if you lose that styrofoam, your game wobbles around. Yeah. So you need to have the styrofoam in there. <laughs> and like same with Nintendo games. They they the yeah. cart fills the whole slot except for the bottom like two and a half inches. There's a piece of styrofoam that's part of the yeah full collection. I think the Intellivision now is the bigger biggest collection I have at home of retro games. Yeah. The only probably. one I have that's bigger is probably my Xbox 360 collection, which, okay. you know, that's a pretty modern system, but I have a lot of discs for that just because we've collected them over the years, and my family was heavily into that, too. Yeah, for me, I'd, I would also add, um, of course, any anything you don't, can't get a flash cart for. Yeah. Um, I'm not <clears> sure <throat> if the Odyssey 2 has a flash cart, but I've got a bunch of those games. They're kind of cool in their box. Uh, but the main one for me might be, uh, even though I am paring it down right now, uh, the Genesis mm -hmm. and the Master, the Sega consoles, and that's primarily because they give you nice hard boxes, yeah, clamshell boxes with artwork and cool spine labels. And um, I'm really just I've gotten kind of over the systems where everything that's left is the cartridge, like almost all the Nintendos. Yeah, uh, the worst has to be the 64. Yeah, because it's got a picture on the front and nothing else. So right. I mean, they, you can even buy special labels to label the spine so you can tell what game you're grabbing without pulling out every single game to look at them all. Yeah. Um, but they're just kind of sitting there. I know that I got an EverDrive. I don't need the physical. So. Cool. Yep. Awesome. Actually, it's interesting because, know what? I actually rather like the PS2 as well. I like the cases for the PS2. Good quality cases and almost every game, if not every game, has a manual. 
has a manual and it has a little slot for the memory card inside. I always yeah. thought, <laughs> as a you know, when I, as a younger person, not a kid, when the PS2 came out, I wasn't really a kid, but I liked that because I would pop the memory card in there and take it to a friend's house. Yeah. So it was pretty neat. And the Wii cases are very similar. They look good, but they're all nice and white for the most part, which is kind of a cool little juxtaposition yep. on my shelf. Um, yeah. But the most of the CD games, no. <laughs> no. You know, PlayStation, Dreamcast, Saturn. And, and the more um, the more you get into the future, the, the worse it gets. Like the Xbox 360... I mean, there's barely a manual in any of them. There's barely plastic in the sh- in the case anymore. Right. They have that big old recycle logo missing plastic now. <laughs> right. So it's all flimsy. Kind of yep. like the water bottles used to actually be able to sit on a table. Now they like lean like the Eiffel or the, the Eiffel Tower. Right. Not Eiffel Tower. <laughs> the ta- leaning Tower of Pisa. Sorry. Oh man. All right. Well, uh, I know I had one more quick question. Oh. One more. Yours was too quick. Your first one was too quick. Okay. And we might have asked this before, I can't remember, but I'm still I'm curious to hear your answer again. Okay. When we play a game, yeah. any game, usually where you get to pick a character, there's usually three or four characters. Yep. Usually have two different variations of white dudes. True. <laughs> then there's usually a female. Yep. And then there's usually somebody who's not white. Yeah, I've seen <laughs> Often that. Often a robot, by the way. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. I was thinking of my favorite, like, Genesis game. I was thinking of Streets of Rage 2, and there's a girl, two white guys, and then there's, like, the big... The big guy, right? Hagar. Hagar, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who's the mayor? So, and that, that's a bad example because all four of them are white in that game. That's but true. That's you know true. What? <laughs> that's, retro video games are what they are. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyways, what character do you usually go for? Lately, lately, it's been because uh, my daughter's been playing a lot of games with me. And oh, okay. I actually been picking the female characters a lot. So I laugh because I have the same answer, but for a different reason, I'm going to feel gross. Not gross, but... No, no, go ahead. You're playing with your daughter, so you're picking the girls so she can relate. I just don't want to stare at dudes. <laughs> Women are better looking people. I, if I, I want to play a game and I'm going to be the character on the screen 100% of the gameplay, I'm gonna yeah. be, I want to pick the girl because I'd rather look at the girl than a bunch of dudes. I have a funny story about that. <laughs> if you'll indulge me for about three, indulge three, three or four minutes. I had a client in Lodi. And... Um, I go out there to do computer work for them, and I'm sitting there, and they they they're like a manufacturing, like a like a sewer manufacturing type company. They're doing stuff, and the guy that I talk to there, I go up to his computer, and there's like this picture of this veiny, big giant bodybuilder. Okay. Oh, you, you thought I was gonna go weird with that, right? But <laughs> it, it's like you didn't. <laughs> it's it's like a bodybuilder. He's all yeah. veiny, and he's like he's just like this he's big beefy man. And so I'm sitting there like working on his computer, looking at this, going, "All right." And he comes up to me, and he and he looks at me, and he looks at the dude, and he's like, "Pretty cool, huh?" Like he points at it, and and listen, I'm supposed to be professional, <laughs> and I look at it, and I was like, "I'm not sure I'd want to stare at that all day." <laughs> and like then I walk away and I, and he he had that defeated look on his face uh, like like oh like he looked like destroyed. <laughs> so that Eric that, destroyer of souls. Yeah, cuz he probably used it for motivation or something, I don't know, but Yeah, I no, just I, like, yeah, yeah. He was I, looking at 100% one way and you just couldn't see yeah, it that way. I, mean, I know it, I, I get really it. really just I just comes like I couldn't stare at that all day. Ah. <sighs> I'll, let me tell this one real quick. Yeah. Basically, I went to a customer, similar situation, and on the wall there was a, like a swimsuit calendar, mm-hmm. right, with women in it. And the guy brought it up for some reason, and he said, yeah, my friend's, uh, my friend gave me that. That's his daughter. Oh, wow. And in my head, I'm just like, why would you, as a dad, give your friends pictures of your daughter in a swimsuit? That's 
that's weird. really weird. It's not even. That, I, I yeah. was weirded out by the whole situation. Yeah, that's not cool. <laughs> not cool. <laughs> not cool. <laughs> there we go. All right. Well, let's give it a little bit of show information, Eric. You're good at this. How about you try it? All right. Show information. <laughs> show wanna, information. If you want to find us on the interwebs, you will go to pixelguiden.com. On Twitter, you can go to at pixel underscore guiden for the for the podcast show. Uh, for me, I am at Duh Project, D-U-H Project. Uh, Cody is oddball1149 with... Uh, <laughs> kind of. Is that right? Yeah, O-D-D-B-A-1-1-4-9. Those ones are L's, Eric. That's right. It was, it's elite. <laughs> it's elite speak. Oh, there you go. Cool then, guy style. And then Tim Drew, our UK correspondent. Is uh, at Sanction. 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 S A N X I O N. You can review us on Apple Podcasts, and if you do so, we would really much appreciate it. You can email us at podcast at pixelguiden.com. And for me, at least, that's my favorite thing to do is get emails. And yeah, please, I, please do interact. We love it. Yeah, you don't you need something. to be a, a, a Patreon supporter, and nope. just ask us questions. Ask us questions. Tell us what you'd like, what you don't like. I, I'd like to hear everything. Absolutely. And if you tell us you don't like us, you, I'll tell you you're wrong, but at least we'll hear <laughs> from you. All right. So we are also on Patreon.com if you want to send us uh, a few bucks a month uh, to support the show. We do definitely appreciate it. If you support at the $3 or more level, you get to be part of our Patreon supporter announcement every month. Yes. Well, twice a month, really. Which is at Patreon.com slash Pixelguiden. Thank you, sir. So, speaking of which, let's go ahead and list our patrons. As we like to do here on the show, I use my online random adjective generator to describe each of our viewers, uh, patron supporters, and I like to do it in a unique way every time. So, this time, Eric, Mm. I'm going to pick just kind of a, it's going to be bad. I'm not going to try to do a specific accent, because then (laughs) I'll be offensive to somebody. This is just a generic, some kind of accent. Uh, But we're going on safari, Eric. All right. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Welcome to the Pixel Gaiden Animal Wildlife Conservatory. That's, that sounds like a thing, right? Yeah. Let's hop in the Jeep and see what we can find. Ooh, look up on the left. We have the largest marsupial in the world. It's the Tangy Tim Drew. Ooh. Over to your right. In that pond, you'll see the water-dwelling boorish Tim Tessier. Here comes a large canopy of trees. Up in the tree you'll see hanging the smart Henrik Lorfel. Nice. Now if we can just slow down a little bit here, this next creature is very slow and very quiet. It's the old-fashioned Gary Heather. All right, keep your arms and toes in the vehicle, ladies and gentlemen, because the righteous Dustin Newell is coming up in the next exhibit. How am I doing, Eric? You're doing great. (laughs) Sounding good. All right. Ooh, next we have in the uh, up in the canopy here, caged in our uh, our largest exhibit in the conservatory. It's the largest wingspan European bird, the un oh United, the United Matthew Ackerman, <laughs> the untied, the untied. No, it's United, it's United M- Matthew Ackerman. Hey, <clears throat> now you'll notice the extraordinary haunches on this next one. Oh, oh my! It's the quirky Daniel James. <laughs> no. Look quick, or you'll miss him. This next animal has a very sleek velveteen coat. It's the marvelous Josh Malone. 
In many villages, this is seen as a nuisance animal. Oh. It's the staking David Vincent. Now watch out. Kids are known to go missing. Oh no. <laughs> this next animal stalks its prey. It's the certain retro gamer nation. My accent has changed like four or five times. Yeah, it's interesting. Crikey! <laughs> this next animal. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I feel like I'm there. <laughs> has a very long neck. Looking proud, it's the gaudy 10 minute Amiga Retrocast. <laughs> We're going back. That was too hard. <laughs> it's hard to do. You'll notice a beautiful rainbow pattern on its hind quarters. It's the spooky Graham Axton. Mm. Ooh, there's my music again. Yeah, it came back. <laughs> All right, this is a very unique animal. It's the smallest talons of any land animal. It's the acceptable David Modelak. I looked that up, by the way. I talked to him. He told me this, you don't pronounce the Y like I did last time. Oh, good. It's Modelak. Modelak. Which you actually gave me kudos for saying it right last time. And, and, and I it was, was wrong. It was wrong. <laughs> and last but not least, our last stop on the tour. Look carefully because you can see these animals hopping between the rocks. It's the aromatic Roy Fielding. <laughs> aromatic, wow. Aromatic, yes. And those are our Patreon supporters. Well done there, we thank you. I we felt thank like you. I took a trip around the world. Don't you? Or at least to a, uh, a large Florida uh, <laughs> right. theme park. One or the other. Excellent. Where else would you hear a, a, a guy try to fake an accent like that? Let's go ahead and crack open some beer. That would be fantastic. And while you start that, you're yep. always the one that brings the bottle opener. I never have it. I have uh, one. I would like to discuss a few bits of errata and feedback. And, of course, Eric found none of these because he just accepts everything we put on the show as, as truth and I fact. I do. That's true. Um... First of all, if you'll notice, in the last two episodes, we had a different announcer on both those episodes introducing yeah. the show. I did notice, and they did an excellent job. It was my daughters. Uh, Claire did the 15th, and on the 30th was my older daughter, Addie. And um, I lost my voice completely. So Yeah, I felt bad for you. Yeah. I was I, trying to wrap the show up as quickly as I could. Yeah, I didn't want to do that, though, because it's still a good show. Um, I just wanted to watch you carry it. Um... So anyways, yeah, if you, if you listen to the last show, the last one in February there on the... Actually, it wasn't the 30th, it was the 28th, right? Right. Um, yeah, we know there's 29 days last February, but that's fine. So anyways, I lost my show, my voice completely. I had a little touch of something, and uh, it was... Uh, well, I, we, made, we made do. You and Tim brought it home, so thank you very much for that. It's all good. I also just wanted to point out, we have not had a single female listener provide any feedback yet. That's disheartening. And outside of the people directly uh, that I've told to listen to the show, like my mom, <laughs> I don't know if we have any female listeners. So, please, if you are a female listener, we'd love to get some input. Some feedback, because we some, might have them, they just might be... Yeah, I mean, we have, I mean, obviously we have a number of patrons, people we interact with regularly, but we have a lot more downloads than we have people like that. So, right. there's people out there listening, so we'd love to hear from you. Um, I don't know if Pixel Vixen listens. I know she probably did, at least for Tim's segment. Hopefully she's a regular listener now. I hope so. Hopefully Tim reined her in and, and shot, showed her the light of our show. Yeah. Um, so that's that. Rob Bram, Bram Meld. Mm -hmm. See, I'm glad he's not a Patreon supporter just because I can't say the name either. <laughs> uh, reached out to us to let us know when we did the last uh, Catching Up, we talked about putting a, a mod chip in the GameCubes. 
Yes, which we, we talking, did. We both done. Yeah. Yeah, and we were talking about the mini CDs, the mini DVDRs that you can put in those to, to burn games on them, how they were getting rare and expensive. He let us know that uh, if you pop the back off the top of the case, yeah, there's enough room in there. You could put a regular DVD minus R in there and just burn up to that point. And it, it well, should just be burn fine. normal. Yeah. Yeah. So, I guess if you're willing to do that, we could. Burn, play all kinds of games. I but guess now, you, you'd have to make a weird Frankenstein-looking GameCube, but I guess that'd be okay. I mean, it would probably it would work. work. But we've talked good to about... Know. Good to know. It is, it's very good to know, because I didn't know that. I didn't know that it would support that. Yes, let's do that. I'm cracking beer. This one's from Tim, right? Uh, This one is from Tim. Give me one more thing, one more moment to rant here. My last piece of errata, and this is from Please. me. Okay. I didn't notice until just now mm-hmm. that when we say check the show notes... Mm-hmm. You're, Eric is in charge of putting the show notes in the shows. Uh-oh, what I do? Well, what I've noticed recently, because I do really hacky notes so we can do our show mm-hmm. with all kinds of spelling errors and things that if, you know, the general population saw, I would look like an idiot. <laughs> I just recently realized you just copy and paste this directly. I do. So all my ridiculous stuff, comments, I'm glad, I, I don't, to my knowledge, I haven't put anything offensive in here like as a joke to no, make Eric laugh. I read them. <laughs> I mean, I review it, but I, I have to admit, I don't do a lot of editing just oh, to save time. Man. Well, there's that. So, thanks, Eric, for making me look just so... Oop, that's not the button I wanted. There we go. Take better notes, dude. Like a dude. doofus. All right, this is Tim's Beer. Yes. It is the Wild Beer Company Millionaire... Is that, so this is millionaire. Yeah, right? it does. It's just really funky font. It's in a weird funky font. Salted caramel chocolate milk stout. Sounds good. So Tim got a couple beers from this company and sent them to us in the past. Uh, one of them was the sourdough, the wild sourdough ale right. last year, which for me was my beer of the year. I thought it was the coolest, most unique, not to mention super delicious, very yeasty. Very yeasty. Very <laughs> I tangy. I love tangy. Um, Got to pronounce that hard G. Tangy. Tangy. And I loved it. And uh, he went back, couldn't find it, but he did get this wild beer company millionaire, mm-hmm. and he loved this one. Right. So, Eric, go ahead and take a sip. Okay. I'll be right behind you. Have you had this one? No, I have not. Okay. These, these are the... To my knowledge, this is a UK-only thing. I don't know if it even makes it over here. I think I've seen this in a local... Oh, really? Have I you? think. I might be wrong, but I thought I did. But So, I know Tim loves it. Hmm. Okay. I know you've been shifting more towards IPAs and, and sours and stuff like that. No, the, the, I like everything. I like yeah, everything. This is this is my like th- this is home for me. I like I I like stouts and porters a lot. I love stouts and uh, yeah, I agree. Um, those are some of my favorites. Um, but like you said, every once in a while you find something new and then you really go in that direction. And I have been with hazies and sours. Right. This is very good. This is very good. Um, it's definitely a stout. It is, I can taste. The good thing is that I can taste the chocolate, but it's not overpowering like some of the chocolate porters that are coming out these days. To me, it's not overpowering at all. It almost tastes to me like cocoa. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Not like a chocolate bar, but like cocoa. Not not cocoa, but cocoa. Cocoa. Like that with, with the A at the end. Cocoa. Cocoa. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's becoming a sound bite. Hold on. Let me mark this down. (laughs) (sighs) I'm going to start doing a better job of taking sound bites from previous shows here. <laughs> 2722. Going to mark that bad boy down. Oh, man. Um, yeah, it's really good. It's actually very drinkable. Mm-hmm. 
And it tastes cold, which a lot of stouts, like, it doesn't matter how cold you make them, they just kind of taste thick and warm. Yeah, and, and the one problem with people making stouts is if they, they sometimes they try to have make it have too much of an alcoholic content. This one's 4.7, which is a little low for a stout. Usually you want it like around 5 or 6%, but I actually prefer it to be a little bit lower and more drinkable than have that alcohol kind of taste. Yeah. It is really good. I could see this being an everyday drinking stout if there is such a thing. Yeah, and this would be one to to have. I mean, Absolutely. something like a. Have you had Old Rasputin Imperial Stout? I, I want to say you gave me one of those once. That, that those are those are strong. Yeah, they but they're but they're pretty drinkable for a strong. I think it's eight percent. Okay, but they're pretty drinkable. But some some ooh, they're just too much. Do you you, you ready to rate this? You want to let you want to let it wash over your. No, palate? I don't need to. I I mean it's it is. It's not terribly complex. There's a, there's a few little notes there, but it is smooth and drinkable, and it tastes like beer more than anything else, which is good. That is good. Um, all right, let's pick our random scale here. So, well, what is that on the front? What is that? There, it's like is that a? I'm gonna get it wrong. Some some sort of uh, horned creature, an an elk or a deer or a. Since we live in Elk Grove, let's make it an elk. It's an elk. Okay. All right. So out of uh, eight elk droppings. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Out of eight elk droppings. Okay. What would you give this beer? I'd give it a solid... Uh, I'm going to give it a seven. Ooh, I'm, I'm going high. Okay, well, I was, I was actually going to go a little higher. I'm going to go with a 7.3. Really? All right. It's great. It's I love it's it. A, it's, Tim, it's drinkable. Very, very good choice, Tim. Um, my mm. only thing about this would be it, it doesn't... I could be wrong. But knowing where he bought it and seeing the shelf where he bought them, they kind of have just a few of each beer. Yeah. Um, this would be a beer that I would want to see, like, in a six-pack for nine or ten bucks. I would, too. But if this was one of the beers where you buy them individually for four or five bucks each, I don't know if it's worth that. Even right. though it's really good, yeah. I would want quantity. <laughs> I agree. It's good. As the beer itself, it is delicious. All right. We have beers in us. We did our errata. We've done our quick question. It's the first episode of the month. Which it's always means... It's time for the news. Reporting the news. All right. A whole bunch of random bits of news. I don't think anything huge this month, but lots of interesting, fun things. For the first one here, I actually need to pull up my phone to show you this, Eric. Because that sounds interesting. So I, and I was going to say, I really want to see a picture of this. I literally just saw this today. Okay. Uh, somebody <clears> put it on Twitter. Um, and normally when th with these things, I don't trust them right away. But just looking at it, it just looks like something that would exist. So this is... I'm trying to find a good here. There's a good picture of it. This is uh, apparently a prototype device that Commodore yeah. had. Somebody found it in like their attic or something. Take and my glasses off because I'm old. Let's see. I've already kind of dissected it by looking at it. It's bulbous. <laughs> so from that picture there, it's kind of like a gray box. It almost reminds me of like the Atari. Um, what's the the console that they made of their computer? The X. Oh, the um, the Commodore GS, the game system. Yeah, the, with, the, with the pastel buttons. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about the Atari one, right? Yeah, the Atari one. The Atari XEGS. That's one. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It only reminds me of that. Almost reminds me of that. So this is the back of it. Okay. Um, here's the circuit board that was inside of it. So that will give you a bunch of hints about what it is. Now, what I think this is, yeah, is a consoleized, if you want to call it that, 
Commodore 64 yep. inside of a case that has an, a joystick on the top. So that's, it's like an all-in-one. That's what it looks like to me. It has an RF modulator. Uh, how, you can see the 6510, which is the 6502. You can see... That's the microprocessor in yeah, the Commodore. Yeah, you can see the ceramic uh, VIC. The, that, that's a ceramic VIC chip. And you can see the cartridge slot up there at the, sto- at the, at the top. Yep. So there's a cartridge slot. Uh, slot. Yeah. There is also, by looking at this picture, uh, one joystick port. Yeah. Although there's room for another one. It's not installed. Right. Um, and then there's power and video. And that's it. Which means that it doesn't look like this connects to any disk drive or anything. Um, you can only add one joystick, which leads me to believe this device on the front is the like one player joystick. Yeah. And if you look from the top, you can kind of see there's two buttons on the joystick. So I feel like you're supposed to use the ball as the joystick and then use one of the buttons on either side to actually fire or shoot or whatever the button would be. That's what it looks like to me. In fact, when you first showed it, <clears> I thought it was just a joystick, like a arcade stick kind yeah. of thing for the Commodore 64, but... And then the other thing I noticed, uh, I'm like, what's this little switch do? It's kind of like a rocker switch. Yeah. And I thought about it, I'm like, well, if you're playing a Commodore 64 game, you never know if you're supposed to use port 1 or point 2. My guess is that button switches the joystick. Yeah. Internally, between joystick port one and joystick port two, so you can play whatever game you have on there. Oh, that's cool. But it would be cartridge only. But cool little prototype that so somebody found. So a little found. prototype. Huh. I wonder if that came out before or after the... You remember there was the Commodore 64 GS, which was a game console. I think it was called the GS. Okay. But they made a Commodore 64 that was consoleized. I do vaguely remember that. Yeah. And I shouldn't say remember it, know of it. Yeah, so I wonder There's if that was... one more shot of the inside of the top cover. Oh, wow. But, yeah, interesting. I wonder if that came before or after that console. I wonder if that sold for $360,000. We'll get to that later. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't. It didn't. Okay. <laughs> um, I have not got my Spectrum Next yet, Eric, and uh, I am sad and destroyed. I was actually looking around the room thinking that you were going to, like, trust me and, like, pull it out going, like, look at this! <laughs> that, that, that is my M.O. I was hoping to get it magically like today or, or or Friday so I could unbox it or something, but uh, if I got it today, I would. If I got it Friday, no way. I was going to open that thing. I've watched a crap load of videos on it. See, I don't want to watch unboxing. I want to open it myself. See, I've watched them. I've, I've watched <laughs> them all. It's awesome. It's it's really awesome. And I've seen it in, in action, and it looks really well done. So That's all I'm going to say. No spoiler alerts. Very cool. So this is a new uh, microcomputer based on the ZX Spectrum UK microcomputer from the 80s. Uh, brand new, done up, like it was the next generation. I always want to pretend people don't know the show or haven't listened or don't know this stuff. And so. there, there's, there could be people like that that just don't know half the stuff we're talking about, so we yeah, should, probably exactly. should be better about describing it. So it was a Kickstarter I backed like three years ago, and they're just starting to come, well, they started coming out in February, early February. Yeah. But I got the accelerated version, which is the last one to be shipped. Although, I saw online, people are starting to receive the accelerated ones. So you should get it any day. And you got to remember, I mean, now, I mean, international I didn't get a tracking number t- or anything, though, because some people are getting tracking numbers. You haven't gotten one yet? I haven't no? gotten one yet. So, mm. Also, I haven't seen a single person, to my knowledge, that has received any of these yet that are in the USA. In the US. Which is probably not a lot of us, but... Right. Um, nonetheless, I've ordered a bunch of new games for it. We talked about last episode. However, one more game was announced and released, and it is this one. It is called The Hollow Earth Hypothesis. 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 Hypothesi. Um, so we're watching some gameplay of it here. and It's it looks uh, good. Yeah, cool little like one screen. And you can download this off itch.io uh, for a few bucks. 
Um, which I would say anybody who's making games for the next right now, they're specific to that one system. I would absolutely pay for these. So please make games and feel free to charge a little bit of money for them. Um, physical is even better. A lot of people are putting them on physicals because they come on micro SDs, which anybody can afford um, with cool packaging. But this game looks to be a... It feels very much like a Monty Mole or a... What's a, what's a good ZX Spectrum? I mean, ZX Spectrum does Monty Mole. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say Chucky e. A because that's too rudimentary. I mean, this looks a lot more sophisticated than that. It's a scrolling single Pla- screener. Single screen platformer. Um, I mean, it looks good. It's, yeah, it looks kind of hard to... Def- definitely looks like the character. He's like this... Um, I don't know. He, looks, he almost looks like a janitor. <laughs> <laughs> to me, he looks almost like the UPS guy. Or UP- yeah, he does. Yeah. What can Brown <laughs> do for you? Um, so anyways, it, it definitely looks like the way he moves and stuff is 8-bit ZX Spectrum movement. Like the way mm-hmm. the jumps land and the you know how he can go back and forth mid-jump and stuff. Um, it's very ZX Spectrum-y, but this is, of course, the next, so it's colored beautifully. Uh, and there's actual sprites, which don't, you know... No color clash. Cl- clash, yeah, exactly. It looks neat. Looks no, really the cool good. thing about this one is that it looks like a game that could have come out in the eight bit era on certain machines. It just doesn't look like a ZX Spectrum game. Yeah, uh, but it looks. But it does the way it physically plays. Yeah, to me, it does look very Spectrum. Like mm-hmm. Commodore doesn't move quite like this. Right. Um, which, in theory, I guess would be the difference between the Z- uh, Zilog Z80 Z80 processor, yeah. right? The Z mm-hmm. the Z80, yeah, and then the sixty five hundred two. Mm-hmm. which we'll talk to about again shortly. Eric, you have a little bit of Z, uh, C64 news, speaking of the Commodore. Yep, So, and speaking of the ZX Spectrum as well. So the Attic Attack, one of the classics on the ZX Spectrum. One of my favorite Spectrum games. Has, a, I think this is a, it's either a demo or you could play like, is it a demo? I think the full thing came out, didn't it? No, no, not no? yet. No, this is still being made, but it's Attic Attack, okay. or as a boat on a, have you heard boat? A, a tick attack. A tick attack. Which I agree with him fully. Yeah. I don't I don't disagree at all. It is spelled completely wrong. A tick attack. Or attic attack, whichever way you prefer it. Uh, they're going to make a Commodore 64 version and it looks really good. Um it's 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 full it uses the color palette on the Commodore 64, so it's full color. Um it it I I think it looks great. There it is, the alpha test. There you go, alpha test. Yeah. <laughs> now you can do stuff. <laughs> there it is. Yep, that looks like... I really, I'm really. i curious what it sounds like, because to me, the best part about this game... Not, uh, one of the best parts about this game, it's got that ZX Spectrum sound thing, mm-hmm. where it's really rudimentary, like pops and clicks and little beeps, but it's like an overwhelming amount of them that yeah. makes it so fun. It's just, you know, a lot of games you you would think with just little beep noises would be like, beep, boop, boop, boop. Yeah. But this thing's like... Like... Just tons of stuff. Did you beat this game, right? You know, I, I technically didn't. I got to the point where I had every single key, and I was just trying to make it to the final door. That's what I did. And I, I knew where it was, yeah. and, I, and I died right then. I didn't die. I ran out of time. My family and I were going somewhere for like oh, no. for like a, like a day or two, and so I could I didn't want to leave my ZX Spectrum on, because I figured that would it would just pop. It would blow up or and you know, with touch the my house on fire. Div MMC future, you can do a save state. Right, and I didn't do that. <laughs> I just was like, well, whatever. I feel like I beat it, like, spiritually. I was like, <laughs> I beat it spiritually, so I, I just get... I... A tick attack is Eric's spirit animal. <laughs> <laughs> but that looks good, right? Yeah, no, it looks great. 
Um, It'll be neat to have a C64 version. I mean, I'll still, yeah. I still think it's a classic ZX Spectrum game. Yeah. But as you know, ports don't do it for me. I mean, it's cool that they exist, and mm-hmm. especially when they push the hardware, which doing anything from the Spectrum to the Commodore, no offense to any Spectrum lovers, not a hard feat. Um, but like the Super Mario conversions to, that, that I saw, that was amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was very- Super Mario to Commodore. No one thought that was possible. Yeah. Um, but same same thing. I'm not going to play it though, right? Because it exists. It's cool, and I played it to be like, oh, that's that's cool. How well it runs, and then I turned it off and never touched it again. Yeah. So I'm going to play this on the Spectrum. It's a Spectrum game. Yeah. So cool, but neat. Um, the Evercade, which we've talked about like every month for the last year, yeah, uh, got that much more real for me. So you and I have been on the on the fence about buying it. It's a handheld device with physical cartridges, which those things awesome. It really is. nice screen. Apparently, it's getting really good reviews from the early uh, prototype copies that went out to some other podcasts. For some reason, not Pixel Guide N yet. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, but nonetheless, uh, it had a whole bunch of classic carts, which I played those classic games. Mm-hmm. What I was really wanting was to see some indie games or some new classic games that are not very common that I would love to play on the go with a hard physical cart. And that's happening more and more. Um, another cartridge just was announced. And I am stoked about this. Xenocrisis and Tanglewood dual cart. Yeah, and, and you know I got Xenocrisis or Xenocrisis. I got that on uh, what did I get that Genesis. on? Genesis. No, didn't you? I got on the Switch. Oh, you got the Switch version. I got the Switch version, uh, which I wanted the Genesis version, but I was like, you know what? I, at that time, I was playing my Switch so much, and I still am. But I was like, it'd be nice to have it on the Switch, and I and it is. It was because it's it's twin stick, so I was like, this is awesome. Correct. But I don't have. Tanglewood. Yeah, and these are both the Genesis version game of Xenocrisis, mm-hmm. and the and Tanglewood is a Genesis game. Yeah, and so these I are Genesis. So I don't games. have Tanglewood at all. So it would be this would be a great platform to have it. So oh, yeah. I, yeah, I saw this and I was like, that that does make it a lot more interesting. And it's still only twenty bucks. So physical cartridge of Xenocrisis and Tanglewood for twenty bucks on the go, and you get to support the new console. Very cool. The other thing is, Xenocrisis, like you said, the twin stick, mm-hmm. well, the Evercade has four buttons over there. Right. So, in theory, I don't know if they're remapping the buttons to make it make more sense. I would hope so, because then you could do the twin stick thing on the Genesis version. Yeah. I'm hoping. Well, check it out. But, yeah, well, so what are your plans? Do you think you're going to pick up the Evercade? I- I'm definitely not going to get it. it. It didn't launch yet, right? No, it's. Uh, I think it's coming out next month. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to get it at launch. I'm going to have to look it up here real quick. Where's the... Um, I'm going to tick attack here. <laughs> I'm going to take a little bit of a wait and see attitude, but um, I hope they keep announcing great titles like this, and that'll be a for sure buy for me if they keep doing that. If they don't, uh, you know, I might wait for a while. I can wait for a used market on it. Yeah, I mean, I want to buy new and support. Um, it's on Amazon, but I'd prefer to buy it through funstock.co.uk. It's a pre-order, is, though. Yeah, pre-order price pre-order, But they do say, here you go, May 22nd. Why does it say Sega Genesis up there? <laughs> Where does it say that? Above oh, it does say that. Yeah, Amazon. Well, that's Amazon. They're not exactly the most accurate company in the world. Yeah. They're more like, hey, here, let's put a bunch of... It's on every one of them. That's very weird. Poop in boxes and put a price tag on it and see who bites. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but they have a, they have a number of carts now that I think are worth getting. Um, cool. That's that's exciting to me. Have you seen this Doom mod 
for Zombies Ate My Neighbors. I did. I I, I read about it on, oh I heard my about it on a podcast, and then I saw a little video of it. This is the coolest thing. Zombies Ate My Neighbors is one of my favorite games, too, on, oh, the, on me, the Super yeah, Nintendo. It's, it's absolutely great. And when you look at this, it's perfect. The graphics look like the game, but in three dimensions. I mean, I'm sure they actually ripped them straight from mm-hmm. the Genesis, or the Super Nintendo. I don't know which one they ripped them from, but... Yeah. Uh, if you can imagine a game, so if you play haven't played Zombies Hit My Neighbors, it's a Super Nintendo and or Genesis. Uh, I prefer the Super Nintendo version just because the buttons make more sense. That's what me too. Um, but music's great. Uh, but it's like a top-down shooter where you're running around trying to save all these people in the neighborhood while there's zombies all over the place. Uh, there's trampolines. There's walls. Um, and it's just a really cool, fun, colorful shooter using squirt guns and hand grenades. You have and to drink colas and, and all sorts. It's, it's a pretty, it's a fun game. It's just fun. And uh, this is just a 3D, this, is, this puts it in three dimensions, like pure and simple. It's a Doom mod, but yeah, it does. And it looks like the exact same game if you were to, like if I was a kid and I was like, had a dream about me being in the game, this is exactly what I would <laughs> be like terrified of. But uh Oh my gosh, it's the coolest thing, and I really want to play this. And this is a demo, so because they they haven't finished it, I think that's just level one. Right? Level one, yeah. Uh, it says coming soon this year, hopefully. But I mean, they have multiple levels done. Yeah. So um, now that game has a ton of levels. So I bet at this point they're just trying to hammer out the levels. Yeah. It looks like they got the system down perfectly. So that is really cool. Flipping cool. All right, so here we are. Spears delicious. It is. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. So, we have here an auction for the Nintendo PlayStation. Which, oh, yes, we do. This has been all over the news. So, you know, the, the story goes, and I'm going to butcher the story probably, but the story is that Sony was partnering with Nintendo to just do a CD-ROM add-on because mm-hmm. they were going to build the CD-ROM. So they were in kind of collaboration together to come out with a... A, a, a Nintendo machine, but with so, some Sony parts. And they came out with this prototype, which was basically a Super Nintendo with a kind of a CD-ROM in it. Is that is that right? Does that sound yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, basically, it was just trying to find a way to shove a CD-ROM into a Nintendo and yeah. make it work. Yeah, a Super Nintendo. Yeah. Super, yeah, Super Nintendo, I'm sorry. So... Anyway, there are a couple of prototypes laying around, and they always, I always hear about them going up. Like this, a few years ago, one went up for auction. I don't remember how much it was went yeah. for, but and they were calling it the Nintendo PlayStation. That's right. Yep. And have you've seen a picture of it? right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched Ben Heck get it working. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So the 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 legend, the urban legend, or or maybe it's a rumor. I don't know. But the guy who put this up for auction. Somebody offered him one point two million. One point two million dollars. Yeah, somebody offered him that much money, and he declined, thinking he was going to get more in an auction. So he puts this. Well, thing yeah, up. when someone offers you something, you're like, "Well, that's just the first offer. I, I can yeah. get more." Yeah, I would think the same thing. Although one point two million, I might just be like, "Whatever." <laughs> yep, I'll take it. So I checked in on this auction. Um, it was about a week ago, and it was two hundred sixty thousand. It was at two hundred sixty thousand. Yep. So then I I saw that it had eventually sold for three hundred and sixty thousand dollars. Final selling price. Still nothing to laugh at. No, but... that's a lot of money, um, and I'm sure this percentage of that is going to the auction house. Yeah, that doesn't include that. Now he did. This guy did do all kinds of things to make money off it in the meantime. Okay. I mean, I think the Ben Heck thing was part of you know the 
I don't want to call it a stunt. I mean, I don't, I can't, I don't think the guy did anything wrong. It's cool. No. He went out there and had people get it working. And then I think no. he, he went around on a tour and people pay, pay to come like check it out. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of. And, and I've, you know, I've heard a bunch of people, you know, kind of mockingly say, oh, you could have gotten $1.2 million. But the truth is you don't know until you yeah. throw something out in auction. I don't blame it at all. I would have done the same thing. I mean, I would have. I would have taken 1.2, I'm pretty sure. I, I think just, I would have, too, honestly, because I got kids put to college That's a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, that is, yeah, that's very cool. Um, but I found it pretty interesting, and I always think it's a pretty cool-looking system, too. It'd be pretty nice to own. I mean, I'd sell it, too, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, this is cool. Well, it's cool. I, I shouldn't say it's cool. It's unique. Yeah. Remember the old Tiger handhelds? I do. Well, they're coming back, Eric. I saw that. Um... Well, actually, I, but the, you know, the funny thing is I didn't see it. I heard, I heard about it, so I haven't seen them. So if you're okay. going to pull up a picture, I'd oh, love to I see will. it. Oh, I will. So you can actually, they're already at GameStop right now. Okay. Um, they're on pre-order. So basically, there's four new games they came out with. And if you remember these little handheld things where they would, you know, there's a little LCD, kind of like a Game & Watch. But I never knew what a Game & Watch was when I was a kid. I had these. And quite honestly, I played a decent amount of them because that was my handheld option before I had a Game Boy. Right. Uh, but they weren't great. <laughs> but they're nostalgic. Yeah, sure, sure. And they they would have... I had one called Karate Champ. I had one... Um, I had... Uh, oh, what's it called? The uh, Iron... Nah, it was Nintendo property. I had a pinball one. I think I had five or six of these things. And I probably knew how to play two of them. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. unless you read the manual, it's kind of like you had to use a lot of imagination to make these things make sense. Sure. Um Honest See, truth is, I played the game Game and Watches now, and there is so much more playable. Like the game, I, oh, sure. I would love for Nintendo to come back and make new Game and Watches. Yeah, and they'd make a fortune. People would they buy really them left would. and right. Yeah, they really would. I so when I was a kid, I had the Mattel uh, baseball and the okay. Mattel football. Yeah, you know, yeah the with the big LEDs, chunky buttons, big chunky buttons, and they were just literally like L, like little LEDs that lit up. Uh, the baseball was literally round LEDs. The the football was little like almost like dash marks that were LED like okay. red lit up red. <laughs> so I mean that's all that was. And then I also had one of my favorites of my of my childhood was Digital Derby. It was, you a, mentioned that. It was by Tommy. It. it was it's black like a slate almost. You have a little steering wheel at the bottom and a gear shift. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. all it is is a little car that's a plastic piece that moves left and right, and the cars coming at you are just on a on a uh, loop. Yep. Like on a tape like my loop. Tommy one I have up there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, I and I loved that thing so much, and we had to we moved, and I had to put it in storage, and I didn't take the batteries out. Yeah, it ate itself. I didn't follow the Josh Malone get Josh the damn batteries Malone! out. Left the double A's in there. I hate and it, when you're right. I ate it. Ate it. Just destroyed it, and I was so the destroyed. New, the new games that what? Tiger Electronics is coming out with, and they're each. Uh, that was funny. They're each about fifteen bucks. That was just cheap. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's how much they should be, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. uh, they're all the exact same button layout, so you can tell they didn't make anything unique like they used to be. Right. They all have the D-pad on one side and two buttons on the other side. Uh, still have, they're all white. Actually, I think one was black there. Um, so here you go. Here's the, the X-Men. It's actually called X-Men Project X. So these are actually brand new. They're not just reissuing old ones. They're making, these are brand new machines. That's what I figure they're brand new machines, but I wonder if they are they designed the same. I mean, I've, the design looks like they uh, they use the old molds. I mean, I wonder if they did use the old molds because I'm pretty I mean, sure like plastic injection processing has changed so much. Hmm. Maybe they just redesigned them in the same molds are expensive, so I bet they reused this, and that's probably yeah. they probably just stuck with this one. Yeah, 
the other one is uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 3, which is really cool because it's got the... Uh, which is funny, actually, because it's Sonic 3 was the... No. Sonic 2 had the tube okay. for the, the stage select level, the special in-between level. Right. I think Sonic 1 had the, the ball that you actually collect the gems and go back and forth, which is what the screen looks like. So I'm, I wonder why this is Sonic 3, but anyways, Sonic 3. This one's black, and this one is Transformers. Um, and then last but not least, uh, I have it written down because the picture's not up here. Uh, the Little Mermaid. Ooh. Of all things. Excellent. So they got a Disney license. Yeah. It's kind of cool. I also wanted to throw in here, um, another C64 game came out. Mm-hmm. Might have came out before our last recording, honestly. But everyone on Twitter has been playing this thing. Uh, Millie and Molly. I haven't heard of it. Really? Yeah. Everyone keeps popping on Twitter like every night and they're like, yep, just got two more levels done. So it looks like a really quality C64 game. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a contender for game of the year from what I'm hearing from everybody. The problem with it for you and me is it is one of a, a puzzle game. Oh, is one it? One of those puzzle games where you kind of have to figure out like what to push and where to go. Yeah. Which you and I don't care for. No, I, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't either. Yeah, so. Uh, but I'll still check it out. Yeah, I've been, I keep thinking about downloading it, and it's supposed to be a really good game. Then I go and look at the play, and at gameplay, I'm like, no, I'm just not going to play that. I'm not going to play it. Right. Uh, but apparently it's highly uh, recommended by everybody else, so give that a shot. The TurboGrafx-16 Mini. Delayed due to coronavirus. Yeah, that's a bummer, but at least, I mean, th- does that mean it's actually... It, I thought it was delayed. Is it delayed indefinitely? They said indefinitely. Which means they don't know when it's going to come back. Yeah. Hmm. So, I mean, yeah, of course you don't know. But, I mean, if the coronavirus clears up in two weeks, then they'll be released soon. Yeah. But if it takes a while and, I mean. But if this is being delayed, I mean, delayed or or whatever, what else is going to be? I mean, it's going to be everything, right? Everything comes from China. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, looks like we're here. At least we're in good shape. We stocked up on all sorts of retro games we can play <laughs> until... The- I went to the local store and just bought all the retro games they had so no one else could have any. Yeah, we should... just lo- hoarded them all. Just wiped out the shelves of all the retro <laughs> game <laughs> shops. Um, yeah, you got the next one here. All right. Yeah, and I want to talk about this because maybe you had seen this. It's a game called Old Tower. How many times have I brought this game up, Eric? A lot, but is it finally? <laughs> it's finally out for the C64. Yeah, it's a... Uh, I've played it on the Genesis and the Spectrum. Right. That's where I've heard about yeah. this before. So finally it's out for the C64. And, and it's it's a puzzle game too, really. Right? It is, but it just doesn't feel like one. It has. I, little, it I had, liked it a lot. Yeah. I liked it a lot. So you've played it on Genesis and what else? Spectrum. And Spectrum. And they're actually two different levels. Like, they're all different levels. So I don't know if the C64 is more levels hmm. or if it's a port of one of the other two. Yeah. I liked how it looks. It has little tiny sprites. It's fun and fast, and it feels like an action game, even though it's a puzzle game. Yeah. So, anyway, I I figured we had talked about it before. Yeah. Cool. This is random. All right. One of my favorite games of all time, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Yep. Is released on iOS and Android for $2.99. That's crazy. (laughs) Because this is usually a premium title. I mean, even when it's reissued, it... It, it'll come out in collections, or it'll come out separately, mm-hmm. but it's usually a lot more than that. Well, and yeah, when like Square Enix releases Final Fantasy on Android, it's twenty bucks, right? So this one could easily grab ten, <clears throat> but two ninety nine. Symphony of Night's a great game too. Only problem is I'm not about to use that with touch 
touchpad, no. like a like a, a screen for touchpad. So nope. if you have a way to download it, well, for example, if I, I download on my uh, tablet mm-hmm. and then connect a Bluetooth controller, two ninety nine for that game all day. Yeah, I have this really neat uh, controller which I haven't pulled out in a while, but it's a it's a basically and it looks like an Xbox three sixty controller, but it's black and orange, and it has a clip on the top, a little like a clip that has a, a spring in it so you could fit any phone into it so you could fit the phone on the top and the joysticks on the bottom oh, okay yeah, and yeah, play yeah. It, and it's actually pretty comfortable Works pretty well yeah so i mean i i've i you know i've played games on it before but i don't play games on my phone yeah i i mean i just don't do it i like to play games on my phone but it's got to be a game that works with a touch like it's mm-hmm. so i can just when i'm doing something i can just flip over to the phone real quick and like play a you know I don't know, some kind of a card game or something where I'm literally just selecting things and he didn't go. Yeah. Like, those kind of games work well. My wife plays a couple of games on her phone, and I I wish I could get more into it. I just, I really use my phone for, for work. Yeah. So. And it's hard to find games on there that aren't some crazy type of... Squeeze you for money. Yeah, squeeze you for money. Even if I'm able to play it without doing that, it's still not worth it. Like, I'd rather just, can you just give me the whole thing for $10? Let me play it, but... Right. Um, have you heard of Demon Tilt? I have not. Okay, so Demon Tilt came out uh, on the Switch and probably other stuff, probably Steam at least. And it's like a spiritual successor to the other pinball games, um, uh, Devil's Crush and Alien Crush. Oh, Alien Crush, wow. It's called Demon Tilt, and it was 20 bucks, and they, they've already had it on sale once. But it's, it's like a, a, it's a Spectrum Next version of one of those games. Oh, wow. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. I'm, I would definitely not pay 20 bucks to try a pinball table, but if it drops... So, wait, you're saying this is on the Switch, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, does it support Tate? Uh, it does. Oh, nice. Oh, I think it does. Yeah, because that's... Now I, I gotta check. I don't think I'm gonna buy any pinball games anymore that don't support the flip grip. Yeah. In Tate mode. Um, dun, 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 dun. I spelled it wrong. Oh. No, you got it. It's a top link. Yeah, but I want to oh. type in Tate. Tate. Uh, enjoying some big screen. Yep, it does. Absolutely does. Oh, good. I hope it rotates the right way. So my my issue with the Tate thing, which is turning your switch on its side or any TV on its side so that the aspect ratio is taller than it is wide, mm-hmm. uh, with the switch is that I just can't get a good D-pad. Right. Uh, I have the flip grip, which is so cool. It turns it sideways and you can connect your switch controls to it, but... I, I can't play... With pinball, I probably can. But with shmups, I can't use that analog stick. It's too floppy. It's doesn't not quick enough. And their little buttons they have for a D-pad are just way too far apart. It, it doesn't work. Do, do you remember when we, we, we've we covered this on Pixel Guide and mm-hmm. the, the um, Demon X Machina controller? Do you remember that? Yeah. It had a D-pad on it. Yeah, and but those I, were for sale on Amazon now. I, I've never seen them in stores, but they're for sale on Amazon. And I can't remember. Those will work even if they're not mechanically connected to the Switch, because some of them wouldn't. Oh, yeah. I'd have to look into that. You're right. You're right. They're not Bluetooth. You're right. So, yeah, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't so work. So that stinks. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Dun. Oh, yeah. There's my <laughs> button here. How about... <laughs> oh, there we go. No, you're right. We talked about that. We were like, hey, this is a perfect solution. And then we found out that it was, they're not Bluetooth. Yeah. And they're not rechargeable either. They just, uh, or they are rechargeable. They're just not Bluetooth. Gotcha. Trying to pull up video here, but of course we've got ads again. Gotta love the ads. Um, this next one I'm going to talk about is really cool. And, uh, well, first of all, there you go. Now Demon Tilt's up. Ooh, that's pretty. Um, 
atmospheric. It says fifteen ninety nine, but it, it was twenty bucks. I promise you. Um, yeah, the 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 graphics are actually very. They actually, they actually look like Spectrum Next. They're kind of like high res eight bit. Like yeah. Um, the funny thing is, um, for pinball machi- pinball games, the the controllers don't bother me. The Joy Cons don't bother me for pinball because it's just too. Yeah, buttons. no, for, it might, I might be able to do this for, for pinball. That shouldn't be a problem. It's more for the. Um, I understand shmups. with shmups, yeah. Because you got to be really quick and, and agile. But yeah, this thing's at least th- three skin uh, screens tall here. A lot going on. That looks oh, really good. Looks I might cool. pick that up. Especially if a Tate. That, that Tate would make. That mm-hmm. might change my mind on it. I might buy that next time it goes on sale. For if it drops below ten, I'm I'm get, picking it up. I just can't pay more than ten bucks for a digital game, Eric. I, I I'm with you. If they release a physical game for twenty or even twenty five, I'll do it. Um. So here's the next one. I was really excited about. We always talk about Arcade One Up. We do. Between the Evercade, the Spectrum Next, and the uh, uh, <clears throat> no Amico news this time, by the way. Yeah. <clears throat> but Arcade One Up always enters the news, but they have some wacky stuff coming out, Eric. Um. Wow. Yeah. No. This is. We always talk about the new arcade machines that come in. They come out with the three-quarter scale mini arcades everyone's been buying. Mm-hmm. Um, and last week we, we mentioned some of the, or last month we mentioned some of their new games, like NBA Jam was coming out. Uh, there was a um, Golden Axe game coming out. But more of the same. You know, different artwork, different games, but more of the same. Mm-hmm. Well, for 2020 at the CES, Computer, Computer Entertainment Show, they announced all kinds of crazy new stuff. They're they're going out there. Um, they're going I, big. They might be over ambitious. <clears throat> I'm not going to lie. This, we'll, we'll see. This might kill them, but <laughs> but it's cool that they're doing it. Yeah. And there's a few things here I really want. First of all, they mentioned that the quality of the machines is going up. So kind of like if you notice, some of their games coming out now are 400 instead of 300. That's right. They've done a number of things. First of all, they have the the backlit marquee, which my um. Street Fighter 2 here does not. Yeah. Um, they all come with the riser now, because most people buy it anyways. Right. And the riser matches the rest of the machine. It's not just black. Cool. So that comes with it. Um, the buttons and joysticks are upgraded. Oh. So like mine, the first thing I did, literally, the second day I had it, is I took all the buttons out and replaced them with um, Sanwa buttons. Cool. Actually, no, with Hap buttons. I like Hap. I'm in America, Hap's the, the king, and everywhere else it's Sanwa. Um, so... Better, better everything. It comes with the plastic over the uh, control panel now, so mm-hmm. that you don't wear away the artwork. And uh, they just kind of do everything's just a little bit big, better now. So they charge a little more. Uh, so that's cool. They have a bunch of new games coming out. Oh, Burger Time was another one where the the cabinet actually looks shaped like the Burger Time cabinet. So oh, it's, nice. It's different. But here's a few <laughs> things I need you to see. Let me click right here. We mentioned pinball last time. We did. And we looked at a couple, and it was all kind of garbage Gottlieb games. There's a couple I liked, but most of them were eh. Yeah. And the cabinet didn't look great, and they're asking a lot of money for it. Now they've announced Attack of the Mars, uh, Attack of the Mars, Attack from Mars, and Star Wars pinball machines. Oh, wow. First of all, these ga- these machines are gorgeous. They look nice. Um, they fixed one of my issues, which is... The playfield just looked like it was slapped in, and all kinds of weird bezels kind of made it fit, even though it was way smaller than the machine. There's still a bezel at the bottom, but it is actually sunk down in the glass, below the glass, so you actually look down on the playfield. It just looks better. Um, it looks, it's got metal, like, all over it, so it looks like a real pinball machine. It's got back glass artwork, and here's the best part. They actually have a, what's called a, a DMV, Digital Machine View, I don't I can't remember what it stands for. 
but it means you actually get that orange dot matrix. That little, like, yeah, like pixelated screen that's the on the dot top matrix of matrix yeah. that, depending on which game you're playing, shows yeah. all the animations and scores and things. Yeah. Like, that's huge. Um, they didn't list the games, but each one of these machines comes with 10 games. And still 600 bucks or less. They haven't decided, I guess. They said between five and six. It'll be six. So five ninety nine, right? But also, they are working on an option to plug it in the internet and you can pay for more games. Oh, wow. That is cool. Yeah. Because you're not going to want... Most people aren't going to take enough room to buy more than one of these if they want more games, but they'll probably download more. So so these are not mechanical pinball machines. These are these are video pinball. That's a screen down in That's there. That's a yeah. screen. Okay. However, I, yeah. Sorry, I keep cutting you off. What were you No, no, say? no. Nope. Go ahead. So with the high end vi- uh, ones you can buy for like three, four thousand dollars that are visual uh, digital pinball machines that are full size, mm-hmm. usually converted real ones. There's all kinds of cool things in there, like when you hit hit the button, the flipper goes. Mm-hmm. Um, in a real pinball machine, a, a solenoid kicks and the flipper hits, and you feel it, the machine kind of goes. You know, mm-hmm. clunks and the ball bounces around. There's actuators in here so that you get tactile feedback. Oh wow! Even yeah. though it's six hundred bucks, you still get some feedback. That is really neat. Yeah. So, how many games come with it without ten, downloading? Ten. Ten without downloading. Correct. That's pretty slick. I think they they're the first last time we saw it with the games that were there that got the licenses. They're kind of eh, and the the production value didn't look good. This one looks sweet that does look sweet all right so that's item number one mm-hmm. this is going to get so much weirder though this then this is pretty straightforward this is going to get weird eric these are called <laughs> mini consoles yeah now when i say mini consoles uh they're releasing now this is when they're getting hokey this they're getting into the um what's the one of the at games kind of level stuff right right they are cool. Don't get me wrong. I'll probably buy these. <laughs> <laughs> but for 30 bucks each, they're releasing these packs. Okay. You can get a ColecoVision. All right. Um, this is the best looking one here. I'll show you real quick. So you, it gets you a a very tiny, a little bit bigger, than probably the size of two quarters. Oh, that's tiny. A little uh, ColecoVision mm-hmm. with little working controllers that are the size of like, I don't know, six quarters. That connect to a little mini television that is era specific. So the ColecoVision one here is this wood grain boxy with rabbit ears, and it's on this little rolly cart like you would have potentially in the seventies, yeah, or late early eighties, I guess. That's bizarre. Um, let me scroll around here and show you some of the other ones. I'll get to that in a second. Um, so it's a ColecoVision again. You can see it. It's yeah. playing Donkey Kong, right? So the, it works. It's a working unit. Um, Here's a Commodore 64, Eric. Oh, it's tiny. And you can't see it here, but there's a little Commodore, uh, like 1702 or whatever monitor mm-hmm. with the little Commodore, and um, it comes with the Competition Pro controller, little mini one. And uh, I can't find the other one, but there was an Atari 2600 as well. Okay. So that's that. Here's uh, another one. Oh, go ahead. No. Well, well, I've seen some of these in the in the stores, like like uh, Walmart's and Targets. These little arcade machines that have tiny screens on them. Okay. And having the only one I have that's kind of like that is my I got the I got the Neo Geo Mini. I guess yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean. And I gotta say, I just plug it into my HDMI TV, and that's the that's the only way I yeah. play it. I can't play it with the tiny joystick and the tiny screen. These are, I mean, these are purely collectible. These these have to be just collectible, right? But they're gorgeous. Yeah, they're, <laughs> yeah, they're really cool. They're really cool. If they can actually make them, this is a prototype, so they haven't released these yet or anything. Or they said they're going to be thirty bucks, but um, 
they made packaging so mm. it look it looks i mean they look cool yeah so remember we we're talking about game and watches remember game watch came out with like the full arcade i mean it's still a desktop small arcade but like ar- arcade style yeah and then ColecoVision had frogger and a couple other games that are kind of that um you know what i'm talking about right with the yep. mini arc- how I would did. you describe that oh man they're little plastic micro arcades yeah they're, li- they're, they're like little arcade machines but they're they're probably foot tall maybe foot tall yeah so and those are in the 80s mm-hmm. well ColecoVision is not ColecoVision arcade one up is trying their hand at those as well here they are but what's cool about these is they look just like those like they're all one solid piece of colored plastic with stickers on it right but if you look at some of the games here here's frogger mm-hmm. here's ducktales wow and uh this one here is mega man and it plays like the I want to say I think it's the NES version of DuckTales and Mega Man. That's neat. It's neat. Um, I, w- I want to gut it and put a Raspberry Pi in there. <laughs> so I already have so many things that have Raspberry Pis in them, but um, I'm I want curious a Raspberry to Raspberry Pi they- everything. <laughs> uh, by making everything better, I use none of it. <laughs> um, anyways, it looks cool. It's, it's neat that they're coming out with it. I don't think these these look like bargain bin. Like they're going to hit the bargain bin if they come out with this. Honestly. I'm sure they'll sell a ton for one holiday and then make their money back. And I'd like to see how. I mean, f- the, from that picture, the screens look really small. <clears throat> I mean, don't yeah, you, you agree? can see it right there. Yep, I absolutely. Mean, that screen looks too small. I'm sure somebody is. I mean, it won't take them. Someone's going to find a way to attach ROMs, and you're going to have a little mini NES. That's yeah. what's going to happen. But yeah. Uh, all right. So that's that's item three of like five. Okay. Next. <laughs> Next. Look at these things. These are real products they're going to sell. So you, you've heard in uh, you've heard of um, what do they call those plug-in consoles or what do they call the plug-in ones where you just yeah they're like the just the 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 plug-in play uh, plug-in play there you go yeah yeah so you might have a little uh, Atari twenty six hundred joystick you plug in it has ten games on it right yeah I saw a ton of those at Walmart when I was in there like there there's like these Atari ones that have different games on them yeah so what you're looking at here are two plug-in plays. Difference is they are a full three foot tall. Yeah. So this is an Atari one, and this is a Pac-Man joystick. And there's literally a box on the floor with a little foot pad that you stand on, and you're moving with like both your hands in front of you a joystick that is right at your belt line, and you're playing games. It's called the Ant jo- uh, Giant Joystick. There's ten games in each of these right now. The the Atari 2600 one looks like Atari 2600 joystick, but huge. And the other one is like a hard, it looked almost like an arcade stick with a big Pac-Man uh, ball on the top. Yeah. And, uh, you, and can you can s- see the Atari 2600 one has a button on the top. It does. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to hit the button. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I'm sure the Pac-Man one doesn't. And so all those games are probably maze, maze games, type games. Something like that. Yeah. These are, how much do you think these are? Did I tell you already? You did not tell me. How much do you think these sell for? I think they would go for 50 bucks. Oh, dang. Really? Yeah. Oh, hundred bucks. Hundred bucks. I, I mean, looking at the size of these things. Yeah. I thought they'd be a lot more. Like that is a crazy, bizarre party piece. That is. I might buy one of these for hundred bucks. That is really cool. <laughs> it would be. It's it, a huge box. Yeah. Oh, it's kind of an interesting way to play. Um. Yeah, and at their show they had a sixteen foot. Here it is, right here. Sixteen foot arcade machine for people to play on. <laughs> where you have to, they had to go up the staircase to get to the controls. That's not for sale. It is not for sale. All right. I have one more wacky thing I have to show you. Let me, I have to actually look it up here because I don't think I have 
at the ready. But do you remember the Star Wars um, arcade one-up cab? I do, indeed, with the special yolk. Yeah, we yolk. totally want that, huh? Yeah. Um, Not for that price, but yeah, I want it. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're going a step farther. Let me see if I can find a picture of it here. Here is their sit-down version. Oh, no. <laughs> so instead of making a full cab, like the, 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 the Atari Star Wars arcade had a stand-up version, then a full cab you like sat yeah, the in? Yeah, full one. Yeah, and I, I ha there was an arcade that I went to that had the sit-down Star Wars one, which I would play all the time. Yeah. It smelled like, bar smelled like barf inside, but... That's, I think they all do. Yeah, I think they do. Um, so basically what they did is instead of getting the arcade uh, Star Wars arcade one-up cab with a riser, yeah. instead of the riser... When you put together the bottom half, it's actually a little slide-out uh, padded chair that you slide out, and now you sit on that while playing Star Wars as if you're in the cockpit. <laughs> that is wacky. It's I mean, wacky. It's kind of gimmicky, but it is kind of neat. <laughs> I mean, it's cool that they make it. There's the full size. That's the full size. That's the that's the barf. <laughs> <laughs> the barf mobile. The barf mobile right there. <laughs> yeah. Aw, barf mobile. So arcade one up, destroying it. I like. It's neat to see a company that has feels this nostalgia, and they're coming out with these things that you just never thought you'd see again. I mean, the Star Wars thing—that's long gone. You can you can't even find a used market for those anymore. I mean, I mean, you can't find the people them that have on working the used ones. Market. Keep it, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I give them kudos for that. I think it's really cool that they're doing it. I just I don't know if it's a good business decision. But they are awesome products. Even the ones that are wacky and I wouldn't buy. It's just cool that they exist. Yep. I was watching a whole video on it, and then like the the employees were describing these things. Mm -hmm. The one part that made me sad is they were all like well younger than I am, oh. <laughs> and so people are talking about some of these things. Yeah. And they actually made some hints. They're like, "Yeah, I never actually played this game." That, yeah. Or um, that is sad. Or else one guy who was going up to the Atari twenty six hundred joystick, and she asked him to play a game on that. He's like, oh, "I want to do the Pac Man one because I actually know how to play those." Like, he didn't know how to play the other game. <laughs> That's nuts. Ugh, this is the world we live in. What are things coming to, Eric? Yeah, I mean, I was old enough to remember when Pac-Man came out. I mean, when Pac-Man was new. That was appropriate. Yeah, new and in, in arcades. And yep. I remember it. I was there, man. I was there. Oh, my goodness. So, I think that's cool. All right. Ready for this next one? I am. In fact, I'm pulling it up right now. Boop. Cool. Because I did want to talk about this one a bit. So there's a pre-order and a demo available for this new game called Arch Archagis. I'm going to call it Archagis. I'm going to call it Archagis. Archagis. You, call, you can call it Archagis. I'll call it Archagis. Yep. It's a new top-down shooter for Sega Genesis uh, slash Mega Drive. And it has Mode 7 style rotation. But that's not really why I want to talk about it. I do think this game looks awesome. And I love this kind of game. Did you ever play Assault? Like the arcade game Assault? No, I have not. Yeah, you should pull it up on your arcade machine someday. I Assault. love it. It is a game kind of like this. It has more real estate area. But basically, your vehicle stays in the center or, or where it is now, and the mm -hmm. world rotates around it as you play. Mm -hmm. But the the Assault game, you have this tank that you drive forward, backwards, but you can roll your tank left and right. Okay. And you, you have to get to this place in the map that ends the level and you go to the next level. Okay. And I was just playing that a couple days ago. I love that game. I absolutely love it. And it's on 
it, it'll be on your arcade machine. It never came out with a console version. It is only because it locked the, in the arcades. In the arcades, it had a joystick, but it also had a way you could rotate your tank with another controller. Yeah. And so it was hard to replicate, but it is. It is on most of these main machines. I mean, you can get the ROM pretty easily, and you just have, might have to map your your buttons a special way. It's called Assault. There it is. Yeah. Loading it as we speak. I want to see this game. But anyway, this is a demo. And, I mean, this demo of a game that reminds me of that. It's not it. Not not even like it. It does but, look really cool. It's like a top-down rover thing, and he can kind of scoot to the side back and forth, or else <laughs> you can turn and like a tank. Yep. And, and I ran out of time to download the demo. There is a full level that you can download and try this out. So that's cool. Yeah, and yeah, the, so Assault is by Namco, by the way. Yeah, I don't know if I need to one up there. There we, there we go. go. Got it. Got it up and running. Let's see it uh, pop up here in a second. Yeah, because I want to show the, the graphics are great. But uh, anyway, it's a little retro tip from Eric. <laughs> retro tip from Eric. Look at that Namco. Do I have logo. a cool button for that. I don't think so. It's a good retro tip button. Japan! <laughs> there you go. See, Ladies and gentlemen, Eric's going to give you the retro tip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I don't, that makes me feel hey, weird. Hey. That makes me feel weird like when you're climbing the rope in gym class. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Their assault is up in the background here. I'm taking that. The tank looks cool. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, so when it first boots up, you see the Namco logo like swir like swirling. I think this came out in '83. Oh, so like you rotate. Oh, dude, that, that's exactly what it is. Oh, it can jump though. You jump and then you can launch these like uh, mortars, kind of kind of like mortars uh, to destroy things in the area. But it hasn't shown it. Yet, but you can rotate your tank, but you could also go up kind of on your hind and, and shoot up. You see that? Um, so like in the arcades, it was like almost like two sticks, like two controllers that. Oh, that's going to be hard to, to... It's hard to do on these machines. I'll have to change the inputs and stuff for this game. Yeah. That does look really good, though. I might want to... I need might need to play that. Yeah, so it's a cool game. But this reminded me of it, and this looks fantastic. I, when this game comes out, it's on pre-order now. You can pre-order the cartridge. Yeah, I, I would love to get some cartridges. Um, just the you know because of the low volume, the pri their prices and all those things are always a ton. Um. But, but they're going to sell the ROM too, so we can put on there. That's what I'm definitely going to do. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of games right now that are in development. There are, and for the most part, I don't like to bring those up because there's just so many. I like to talk about the ones that are just out now or pre-ordered at least. But um, mm -hmm. this one's pre-ordered, right? Mm -hmm. um, and cool. there's a demo, which to me makes means a little more. That's true because you can go play it now. Yeah. So, uh, just a quick note: the Amigos. Mm -hmm. We talk about almost every episode. Yeah, don't, yeah. Come out with just another podcast because they weren't happy with five. They're at like six now. I don't know. They, it's an incredible one, amount. And they ran out of clever names because usually they have really clever yeah. show titles. This one's just called the 1200 XL. Yeah. It's an Atari XL podcast because I think the 1200 can run everything below it. It can. 400, 800, 800 XL, 600 XL. There are some incompatibilities. Probably, huh? There With the 1200, there are. Um, not a lot, but there are. So, I mean, it's kind of almost like the perfect one's the 800 to me, the 800 XL. Yeah, I mean, that's the most common. Yeah, but the 1200 is an awesome machine. I mean, it was pretty souped up. It was. It's a nice box. Well, it's funny because those guys, uh, you know, of course, they did the Migos thing. 
and then they hopped into the Spectrum. They had uh, ARG Presents, which just kind of covers all kinds of old stuff. Yep. Which I actually been really enjoying that, just because I love hearing about things I don't know about. I, and then it almost sounds like Aaron is like, I really want to do one on the color computer because I had that as a kid. Mm-hmm. So and, they did. And, and it sounds like John's like, whatever, let's do it. And then John now is like, you know what? If you get one, I get one. I like the twelve hundred. That's what I had as a kid. Now they're doing both their own machines, so. and they're both really good shows. I mean, I listen to both. I, I, I've. I like both of them. Yeah, I mean, they're all the same show, just on different to- topics. On they, different well, games, but I like the format, and it goes pretty quick. The last one I was actually adopted was ARG Presents. Have you seen that one with Brent? Oh, yeah, Brent? I, just, I just mentioned that one, yeah. Um, I, and the reason is, for the longest time, I kind of thought that was video only, or or not video only, but video-centric, because they do, they do it on the video or on the YouTube, which they do all their shows. I don't know why I thought that, but it's, I've been downloading that one, listening to that one, too. That one's cool because it has a bunch of topics I never would have looked up myself. Right. But you're right. The ones where John's involved, he kind of uh, orchestrates the show, and so mm-hmm. they all have a similar feel. Yeah. And then ARG, uh, Brent, and... Uh, uh, ooh, I get to forget the name now. They forgot my name all the time <laughs> on the show. Uh, just call him Devil Bunny at this point. Right. I, I just said his name, Aaron. There we go. Yeah. Um, basically have a whole different chemistry than John does with, with Aaron. So well, they're, bro- they're brothers. <laughs> oh, are they? They are. Okay, yeah. you can kind of hear it. Yeah. Yeah, you can. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't catch that part, but... A uh, couple last bits of news here. Um, first of all, I'm going to mention the analog NT is being retired. The mini analog NT. Oh, really? So that was the original... Uh, well, the really original analog was like a thousand bucks, and it was made out of like machine grade steel. And I remember that. Then they cost reduced it and made a really nice, like d- dense plastic, super high quality with great outputs, all this kind of stuff. Um, so analog made that, and then of course they started making stuff that was more affordable for everybody. Mm-hmm. So now that they have more affordable versions, the analog NT Mini is being retired after this one final run. They're four ninety nine each. Mm-hmm. And, of course, this runs um, Nintendo and Super Nintendo games. Uh, they're $500 each, and they're already sold out. So, that was the news. You could have bought one. Could, yeah. Um, it. I mean, they are, look really nice, and I would totally take one if someone gave it to me. I don't get the the appeal of a $500 machine. I mean, if I was loaded, I would totally do it. Cause yeah, I would it just take looks it. looks really cool. Oh, yeah. I would take it. I would use it. I'm, and But I, I can't spend that kind of money. Yeah. And they, of course, came out with some very useful ones, like the, um, what do they call this? The Sega system they came out with that plays all, everything. And um, there's their smaller NT, their um, Genesis and Super Nintendo models. Right. Um. But, of course, they're coming out with the portable one, which name escapes me right now. But that thing looks super super cool. It does look really cool. And if it lives up to its hype where it's going to play all the different types of systems, you Mm -hmm. can do Neo Geo Pocket Color with an adapter. In fact, you can see the adapters right there. Yeah. If if that comes to fruition, I think that is really, really cool. I can't remember the name of it right now, but the analog. Yeah. I mean, it was on the cover of of, uh, Retro Gamer Magazine. Yeah. But I can't remember. It looks really cool, though. Yeah. Uh, and then last but not least, a little, a couple of uh, recent industry deaths. Mm-hmm. I totally get it. There's, uh, It's nice to remember these people and honor them for what they did. But I do get a little kick out of how kind of niche retro gamers will get when it comes to things like this. Right. Um, so the man who made the famous Konami code. Oh, yeah, I read about that. <laughs> uh, Kazuhi- uh, I'm so bad at this. Kazuhisi? Kazu- oh, my gosh. Kazuhisa Hashimoto. Yeah, that's 
Sounds kind of want to edit my podcast for getting the name right. <laughs> um, I think that sounds right. He is the developer of the Famicom port of Gradius, in which the first, uh, you know, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, start, or select start if you want two-player, uh, Infinite Lives code was used, which has been used in, like, tons of Konami games since, and uh, it's been honored by a bunch of other games since. Right. Um, so I do hope they put the code on his tombstone. I think that would be oh, pretty cool. Oh, that would be awesome. And I, I mean... I'd be proud of that if I, you know, died and yeah. I mean, he they should. I mean, that would be such such a cool thing to put there. I don't know a ton about the guy, but yeah. I doubt there's a lot of other people who were in charge of porting games at a at a <clears throat> company. Yeah, that were going to get that, that much love. Um, right, but really cool. And then uh, this one actually is very substantial, but probably more under the radar. The creator of the sixty five hundred two processor passed away. Yeah, and that's Chuck Peddle. And uh, I did a little research on that because I wanted to learn more about it. But basically, this guy said, hey, uh, and this was in like the late 70s. Mm-hmm. Hey, we could make a processor that does all these amazing things that current processors do, but we can do it for 25 bucks. Right. And at the time, they were going for hundreds, if not thousands of dollars yep. per processor. So yeah. he took it to Motorola and said, look what I can make, guys. And they basically <laughs> told him, hey, we're selling this one just five at 400. No. Why would we want to cut? Why want to cut our profit? Yep. So he took the technology to MOS, MOS, mm-hmm. and that made history because the MOS 6502 was born. A number of other processors kind of came shortly after it. You know, the Atari used a uh, kind of cut-down version for their 6507 and their 2600. The NES had one. The Apples all had 6502s. The um, Commodore had it. Commodore 64. Keep going. Yeah. Um, it was used in a lot of things. Made a lot of consumer projects um, mathematically possible. Mm-hmm. As far as economics, yeah, and so. I mean, it, and uh, what's his name? Uh, the owner of Commodore at the time was so impressed with it, he bought Moss. He bought the company. Perfect. Like Commodore bought that company, so pretty crazy. How about we crack a beer and battle some systems? That would be fantastic. So this first beer, uh, second beer, second beer, <laughs> Eric brought, and this is Breakfast Hustle. It's a coffee cake golden stout. We're going heavy, followed by a heavy. That's right. Actually, this one's really heavy. This one says seven percent, seven point five percent alcohol seven. by volume. Yep, and it's by New Glory Craft Brewery. Dude, I should be in charge of making like foley for movies. That was perfect. <laughs> Everyone's getting thirsty back at home. Ooh, it's except, kind of light color. except for our miners who aren't interested in this part of the show at all because ooh, it is very light. Let me read the description on this. Golden stout conditioned on a variant wait valiant coffee blend, cinnamon, cocoa. Cocoa! Cocoa! <laughs> and Madagascar bourbon vanilla. Mmm. That sounds like money. That actually sounds really good. I hope I hope Correct. this lives up to the hype. All right. All right. Cheers, sir. We didn't do that the first time. No, cheers. cheers. I have a very frothy ale, so you go for it. But yeah, this thing is um, very light in color, which I think we had one other stout. Uh, did you have that stout with me? There was a stout I had recently that was this light. I mean, yeah. I would never have thought that was a stout. No, it doesn't look like a stout at all. Does it taste like a stout? It does. It does taste like a stout. It, it's it got a, some interesting flavors right up front. Hmm. Last time I had one... That was light like this. It had that... There's something similar Yeah. in the taste. I can't put a finger on exactly what it is. It's got, interesting. This one has like a... Um, like, wait for the aftertaste. Like, once it sits on the tongue for a while, it you can taste like coffee cake almost. 
It's almost like vanilla. Do you really taste the coffee cake, or are you I, just saying that because no, it I, says I, on the... No, I think it's cinnamon. I mean, I think it's more of the cinnamon and vanilla that's in it. It's so interesting. We had Waffle House from these guys last time. Isn't that the same company? Nope. That's not the same. That really? was Jackrabbit. Jackrabbit oh, had a very waffle. similar can. No, this is, you know, the gummy one? That's, oh, it's made by these guys? Yep, the gummy okay. one is New Glory. Gummy Worm. The Gummy Worm, yeah. New Glory. Which I don't think I've had that one. Bourbon Vanilla. Madagascar Bourbon. Weird. I think I'm going to have to sit with this one before we rate this one. That's fine. So which means we're going to go ahead and battle some systems. Battle of the Systems! <laughs> I believe Tim came up with this battle? Nope. Is I that you did. did? Oh, I okay. Did. Yep. Um, good choice, by the way. Thank you. So we battled a couple of... Is it Generation 5? Systems? Uh, basically, 64-bit, 32-bit era. Right. And uh, we picked the king of the kart racers, which is Mario Kart 64. Really just Mario Kart in general, but highly regarded game, Mario Kart 64. And put it against its nearest generation five or four adversary, which was apparently Crash Team Racing. Crash Team Racing, yeah. Um, there's a number of other games, uh, including Diddy Kong Racing, that I really loved back in the day. I like that one, too. Um, and I just picked this one to be... Even more battle e because it's Sony versus Nintendo. Oh, yeah, no. Perfect choice. Perfect yeah. choice. Um, and where Mario Kart was first party Nintendo, uh, Diddy Kong Racing was second party Nintendo. It was Rare, who was kind of teaming up. Right. But how about we start with uh, Mario Kart 64? That would be fantastic. So what did you find when you played? Now, you and I have both played this for years. For years. And in fact, I, that was one reason I wanted to pit this against the um, the Crash one, is that this is my favorite game on the Nintendo 64, is Mario mm -hmm. Kart 64. So I wanted to put it against a worthy competitor to see you know, how they would compare. Now, to be so, fair, mm -hmm. I've played this as well, but my favorite game not on the Nintendo not my favorite game, but one of my favorite games would be Diddy Kong. I actually do prefer. I'll tell right up front. I prefer that over Mario Kart. Oh, cool! I, and, I I've, and I've said that on the show before. Yeah, I don't. I haven't played Diddy Kong Racing a lot. I've played it a few times, but I haven't played it a lot. Uh, I like so. <clears throat> where should we begin with Mario Kart sixty four? It's a kart racer. Mm -hmm. uh, they, it created the kart. Well, the first Mario Kart created the genre. Yep. But this enhanced the genre. When you begin, you pick whether you want, what is it, 50, 100, or 150 cc cars. Which is a clever way of saying easy, medium, or difficult. Exactly. Uh, but it is how fast you go. I mean, it, this, the 50 cc is pretty slow. Hmm. Um, I actually, when I just want to play casually, I usually do 100. And 150 is pretty fast. So you got to be on your game. Uh, the game, you pick one, two, three, or four player, which is pretty awesome. I don't yeah, know if Nintendo 64 has that advantage with four ports right in the front. Four ports right in the front, and it does a split-screen, four-panel racing, which I've done before, and it's awesome. Oh, yeah. It's Wait, awesome. I've played a ton of it that way. And let's, yeah. be, let's be honest, kart racers, their main strength is multiplayer. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Especially, and we'll get into this, especially Mario Kart. Because, as we'll see, Crash has kind of an advantage in the single-player realm, mm. which we'll go into. Do you say? 
So you basically pick the number of players, the CC in your car, and then you pick uh, what track you want. Now every, or I'm sorry, what race cup you want. I, I worded four, that so There's four different cup Cups, series. Cup series, and each one has four races in it. You can be Mushroom, Flower, Star, and Special, I think. Something like that, yeah. And that's where and my they memory... And pro progressively more, more difficult, more convoluted tracks. Yep, that is true. When you're, for people who don't know these kart racers, uh, when you drive around, you are racing against a bunch of other computer-controlled players. Uh, you come upon these, they're not really crates in um They're, in like, they're yeah, like little transparent blocks. rainbow blocks. Yeah. Like transparent blocks that when you grab them, this little almost like a slot machine thing starts to go on the top. And if you hit the button, it'll stop it on a weapon or you can just let it finish and it will land on a weapon and then you have a weapon to fire the weapon you hit the left trigger on the nintendo 64 controller is that right the left trigger right i believe so yep hit and, a button and it will do a thing sometimes the things are you know speed up some of them are throwing shells at other uh at other com competitors and then some of them are these highly destructive ones which will take out the people in front of you or the person in first place yeah Something like you that. got the green turtle shell that shoots straight forward it's almost impossible to hit somebody yeah then you got the red shell which is just darn too darn easy to hit somebody mm -hmm. just finds the next person ahead of you and hits them unless you there's a couple tricks so you can either if you're too far around a corner Mm -hmm. The red shell will hit the corner before it hits you. That's right. Or if you have a power-up ready, you can hold the left trigger, and it'll dangle the power-up behind you, and the shell can hit that and take that out instead of you. Mm -hmm. um, and some of the sh shells, you'll have multiple shots, like they and they spin around you. Yep, you can have three green shells and three red shells. Yep. And, and then you, if you have the spin around you, you can just touch somebody with them, and they'll it'll, get taken it'll, out. It'll blow one of yours up, but it'll take the that player out, which I found really cool. Um, what else can you say? I mean, that's pretty much the game, right? There's a lot of specifics about it. So you got the four cups, and each one of those cups has four levels. So that's 16 levels. Mm -hmm. um, and these levels are, I want to say, genetically engineered to be fun and competitive and family-friendly and perfect Nintendo. Right? Yeah, so I'll get this right out of the way in the beginning, since it is a battle of the system. To me the basic mechanics of driving in this game are smoother than Crash. Mm -hmm. Would you agree with that? Yeah, no, they've got that Nintendo thing down. It's like this polish, the smoothness and the polish. Oh, the polish is great. And, again, everyone has their opinions on it. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people who hate the Nintendo 64, you know, say that the, you know, they have that Vaseline over the screen look, right. where the, they do all kinds of anti-aliasing and things to make it look good on a CRT. Mm -hmm. So even though... Um, Things on Nintendo's are very simple. There's not a lot of detail, but everything just looks good. It looks like you can just reach in and grab it. It looks like a toy. Mm -hmm. um, I, but it's simple. There's not a lot going on. The tracks are pretty much void of a lot of things. If you go off the track, there's usually like sand or something that slows you down. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's simple. Um, it's really made to get a bunch of people next to each other and battling. Um, skill only takes you so far in this game. Excuse me, I'm burpy, this beer. Um, <laughs> the truth of it is, this game really ramped up the concept of rubber banding. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard that. Yep. Yeah. Which I don't know. Rubber banding is a concept. I'm not sure how much is actually in the programming um, specifically, but if you are playing the eight-player game of Mario and you just start lap two, you're in just as good a position in, in first place as you are in eighth, right? Which is last because players further back are going to get power-ups that make either make them speed up. There's a big bullet bill you can become, and then you just go twice as fast as anybody else and take people out if you hit them. Um, or the little crazy stars will make you invincible and a little faster. And then when you're in the front, first place, you get things that aren't that important, like bananas that you drop behind you, and somebody happens to hit one, they spin out. Yep. But they're pretty easy to avoid. avoid. And you're not going to get mushrooms, which give you little power boosts. People in the middle kind of get mushrooms. Um, and then I'm not sure, this is the part I'm not sure how much is programming, but uh, I believe there's also some programming in there so that if you're in first you're not going as fast as somebody who's further back they physically are slower so i think you're right on that and they always want everyone next to each other and fighting that's the fun of the game and that when multiplayer it's great i think and and i think you're right i also think that and this might just be me and and my perception of it but it seems like when you get further ahead and you're in first place those destructive power-ups come up more often for the other players. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they so get. So the lightning or whatever. Oh, yeah, or the, the lightning that makes you small and they get big and they can run over people. And right. Those things that really mess you up in first place mm-hmm. start to come more frequent when you're further ahead. So Your strategy in this game, honestly, is to be in second or third when you're getting near the end of the race. and then That's what I think. And then yeah. try to snipe it right at the end. Yep. Have you played? Do you play this uh, multiplayer much around here with family or friends or whatever? So we played some of this. Uh, my my daughters really got into the first one they've ever played, which is the Wii one, mm-hmm. and they play a ton of that. Especially my youngest one; she loves the that Wii game. one's great. Um, so when we played this one, she got frustrated. First of all, it didn't have the Wii motion controls, which is how she plays it. She plays with the steering wheel. Uh, I, we don't have a steering wheel. She okay. just holds it sideways. But yeah. Um, and uh, this one was a little more difficult. It took her a longer time to get used to it because she wants to hold the stick all the way right or all the way left. She's not used to doing the, like the, you know the partially right, you know, right, easing your way into things. Um, but she got better. Um, you know what? I just saw there. I think there was is there five tracks per. I thought there was four. I know that's four. It's that's four. four. Yep. I mean, there's some classic tracks here. The tracks really are great, but they are simple. Uh, there's some ice ones where there's penguins in the way walking around and snowmen throwing snowballs at you, so some things in the way. I think that's an advantage, actually. I, compared to, like, modern-day Mario tracks, like in Mario Kart 8. Mm-hmm. I haven't com- played that yet. The complexity, to me, is not a plus. It's a down. I, okay. I like simple tracks that I can memorize. Yep. They, these are very simple tracks. Yeah. Um, I don't like the ones that are too complicated. There are shortcuts in some of these tracks, too. So there are little shortcuts There's usually, like, find. one short cut per level yeah and it's usually pretty obvious you usually need the right power up to use it yeah um if i'm not mistaken this is a like a dirt mountain here is where we're at looking at this level i'm just kind of giving an idea of some of the levels um there's another dirt level now if i remember right in this game when you slide because you can use the the bu- the trigger buttons to slide, not triggers, but the bumpers, like a power slide kind of to thing. To do a power slide, but when you the longer you slide, it, does it give you a, a momentum to come out of the turn? Because that CTR does do that. You know, I don't 
I never slid in this game. I've okay. never found the advantage to it. I always found it very difficult, and I never figured out what the gain was, to be honest with you. Okay, because in CTR, and maybe in this one, I don't know for sure, and but definitely in Mario Kart 8 and the newer ones, mm-hmm. when you slide, the longer you slide, it powers you up. Yeah, that becomes more of a mechanic. I think this one first invented the slide, and... Uh, I think it allowed you to keep your speed with the, and being able to make the turn. I don't. I don't remember. It, it, it doesn't seem like a huge advantage. Um, but in this review we're watching here, they're doing it all over the place. But see, when when he slid, I was noticing the smoke turn color. It would turn yellow yeah. eventually, and I was wondering if that was a power up because I never do that. So I never I, do I, it. I, I don't I know do if it. that. Hmm. Um, there's levels here with lava. Of course, there's the infamous Rainbow Road levels. Um, this one has a cool riverboat. Here's Rainbow Road, which is this crazy outer space Vegas mashup. And Rainbow Road's always usually really hard on any Mario Kart game because they usually have chunks of racetrack with missing walls that you can fly right off the end of. Yep. Um, they, they've uh, done homages to these in like Mario Kart 8, like the Rainbow Road one. There's like this crazy one in Mario Kart 8. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there's beach levels where the tide goes in and out. So depending on where the tide is, you can take that route or not. Um, some really creative touches that make it more interesting, add some variance to the game, but ultimately a very simple, solid, fun multiplayer game. The single player campaign, uh, I mean, it's not really a single player game here. It's not a campaign per se. It's just a series of races and you calculate, you get a certain amount of points for the races and you know, those add up. So if you come in first, you get the maximum points, but if you come in third, it still adds to your first. So you... You basically can come in second or third in a couple of races and still win the cup. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, I don't recall there being any incentive to play single player except for just the fun of saying, I won that. There's no unlockable characters or levels. That's correct. So, I play most games single player. Um, Mario too. Kart, I do a lot, obviously, with my family, which is great. Uh, multiplayer. Yep. Uh, but I play a ton of single player, and I want unlockables, and there are none. I do play the single player a lot just for the fun of playing. Because I do still find the 150 challenging. Yeah. In the later tracks. Um, it's it's It can be a very challenging game, even against the computer control players. Yeah. Very bright, fun, whimsical, pretty, very Nintendo-y game. Mm-hmm. Great game. Yep. Crash so, Team Racing. Crash Team Racing. So, this game obviously recently came out on modern systems, redone with new graphics and everything, but I watched online play, and it's the same game. I'm sure they added a few things, but it's the same game. Um, that one's pull. called, like, Nitro-Fueled or something. That's yeah, the new one. Yeah, do you know one. what the difference is? Or? I don't know. I haven't seen that one. Okay. So but, how, how would you describe Crash Team Racing? Crash Team Racing is a racing game, but it has... Um, it's a kart racing game, It's yeah. a It's a kart racing game, but... It does have a more elaborate single-player mode where you are on certain... What are they? Islands? Or well, areas? Well, let's get to this, the, the single-player later. What's the basic gameplay? Because that's kind of where we... So the basic gameplay is pretty similar to Mario Kart 64. You are racing in multiple on different tracks... Uh, I did get to play this multiplayer this month with my oh, daughter. Cool. We played That's it cool. multiplayer. And it re- does really shine in multiplayer. Okay. Um, and, and I'll explain why. That's good to know because I did not get to play this multiplayer. Um, for those, for, for 
for for those people that well let, let's talk about the basics first i think that's best so instead of cubes you get crates mm-hmm. around the tracks are these little power-up pads like those green ones and when you hit those you go faster which i love because it adds some variation because yep you um depending on which line you take it might make more sense to take a shorter route might might, t- might take more sense to make a longer route and hit the pad and there's other routes where you're just all going straight and you're just fighting for position to get that pad. And they do speed you up significantly. So you get a good you, a good boost there for if a you're split like, second. If you're like third place and you're you're racing someone in second and they're not on those pads when you pass them and you hit those, you'll get ahead of that person like that. You can see as you're just burning ahead of those people. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that component. There are also um, what are those fruits called? Um, wampa fruits. There are so wampa are. fruits around. <laughs> so you hit a crate like that one, and you you it adds wampa fruits. Those wampa fruits actually speed your car up. Yep. So whenever you can get you, up to ten, you can get up to ten, and when you get them, you are in kind of a turbo mode, and you go faster. Um, but the weapons, there are different weapons than in Mario Kart 64. There are things like bombs. There are shields, mm-hmm. which prevent you from the effects of certain things that will slow you down. But you can also shoot them in front of you as a weapon, but then you lose your shield. Yep. Like that right there. You can drop nitro carts behind you, which are essentially like bananas yep. in Mario Kart, where they just make you spin out. Yep. And see, so he's going to hit another Wampa Fruit here. He gets more, but you can only get 10 max. Um, so... One thing about multiplayer in this game, which I found better than Mario Kart 64, is that if you are a competitive crash team racer <laughs> in multiplayer, you're you're playing competitively, you can do a strategy where towards the end of the race, you can try to get a shield power up and just hold on to it. Mm-hmm. And then when you're getting near the end of the race and people are trying to jack you up, mm-hmm. You can put your shields on and you will not be affected by those power-ups. So it does add, a, I guess, I want to say a more fair component than in Mario Kart 64. Mm -hmm. Because there is a strategy to... Some people get angry with Mario Kart 64. that They don't like that part of it. I know in multiplayer party games, it levels the playing field a little bit. Yeah, if you have a bunch of people together. But if you're trying to play a competitive game against some other competitive people... Yep. It's a crapshoot in Mario Kart 64. It is. This one definitely feels... I mean, there's some rubber banding here. Definitely. Typically with the... You know what position you're in, what you get, what mm-hmm. what things you get, but it's not so unbalanced. Um, especially in radio ra- uh, later Mario Kart games, they have the purple shell, mm-hmm. which is everyone hates the purple shell or loves it, depending on where you are. Right. But the purple shell literally goes to the front person and kills them. Right. It just bypasses anybody else and hits the front person no matter what, and it's garbage. <laughs> yeah. So in this game, yeah, you can get things in the back that aren't that beneficial, and you can get things in the front that are still beneficial, even though you're in front. So what's beautiful about that is you can play defense. You can actually Mm -hmm. store up your power-up and trade in a short-term attack for a defensive shield that can protect you in the end if you really want to win. And we're playing the cart game to win. So, I mean, if you you can get that shield later in the game, it's probably worth hanging on to. And you can get Wampa Fruits or those power pads to really go ahead and then try to win the game. So I found that really, really kind of an alluring ta- tactic yeah. in multiplayer. Um, other than that... Uh, a couple things I want to... There's a, yeah. a number of things I think are important here. Mm-hmm. First of all, graphic-wise, this game... Again, this always killed me about PlayStation. Everything looks just super pixely. 
Pixely and triangly. Triangle, yeah. <laughs> and it, it's, uh, this actually doesn't look terrible here, but when I was playing the game for reals, like yeah. there was like when the winning animation, when you win a race, you see this. Um, the little chick with the umbrella. There's like, a girl with an umbrella, umbrella, and then the three of you are on top of the trophy thing celebrating. I literally could not tell who was what. Like it was, <laughs> right. I, it looks. And all PlayStation games look like this to me. No one ever else complains about this, but to me, they look terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, the pictures of the characters on the side here, logos, the 2D stuff looks great. Um, everything looked... It, when it was moving, you can tell enough what everything was to actually um, pay attention to it. But like, I could never tell who was in front of me. Like A lot of times, you're like, okay, mm-hmm. I have to win this race, but I also have to make sure this guy comes in second. Or, I mean, comes in third. But when I'm playing, like I can't identify what people are unless they're right next to me yeah um there's just not enough pixels there to to describe it um this one does have a by the way a slide mechanism where the longer you slide you get a power up and when you come out of your slide it it kind of slingshots you so you can use that as attack correct i was going to get there so you you hold down the slide and when the smoke of your slide turns black you can hit the other shoulder button Mm -hmm. and you shoot forward it's a boost but you have to hit it right when that smoke turns black yeah um, but you can do that one or two times per slide. Um, so I think a lot more strategic, a lot more useful. And then also, a big one, is when you go off of jumps, you have a little jump, a little hop mechanism, where yeah. your cart just hops. Mm-hmm. And you can use that to hop over little things. Um, you can use that primarily to when you go off of a ramp to hop and make your jump even that much higher. Because the higher you fall before you hit the ground, you get an instant boost and you shoot farther forward. Right. So every time you hit a jump, you're trying to hop and maximize that boost. So there's a lot going on. It's not just, oh, I'm going to go around this turn and just kind of do it. There's always something there that you can use to gain an advantage or something to hit that can slow you down. So you're always thinking about what you can or can't do. Um, well, let's talk about the, um, when you're ready, let's talk about the single player, though. I, I Yeah, I'll get there in a second. Okay. Um, but the other thing for me is the rubber banding wasn't nearly as much here. Not nearly for, as much. For better or for worse. Mm-hmm. But I love the fact when I was playing an easy level against easy characters, I was able to get like a half a track ahead of them. Right. Because I was that much better. And that's how, in my mind, that's how it should be. And how, you very rarely do that in Mario Kart 64. Mm-mm, you can't. I mean, they'll, they get faster yep. and they the catch you up. the you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, what's this guy? They're, all, they're turning the other way. What is that guy? Like, I can't even tell what some of this stuff is. And they all tr- for, they all turn the opposite direction. Watch, like, crash right there. He just turned away. Why did he turn away? There's his back. They're dancing. It's the most goofy thing. They're dancing. Come on, man. All right. So I did not play this <laughs> multiplayer, but yes, single player, this game was awesome. Yeah. I, I It has a much, much more compelling single player game than Mario Kart 64. You have this dude right here. I don't know his name. It's like a tiki mask with, yeah. with like, colored feathers. He has a cool voice. Like you were trying hey, to... Uh, like this you is Crash tra- Bandicoot. And of course, it's CD audio. It's not um, yeah. compressed uh, Nintendo 64 cart audio. It's CD audio, so it sounds great. Yeah, it sounds like what you were trying to do with the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that to me. <laughs> In the beginning, right? <laughs> hey um, I don't but, know why uh, I have to say hey every time. Let me try it without it. That was a joke. <laughs> so, yeah, the single player is awesome, and... It has, um, what do you call the, the, the maps in between their islands? It's an overworld map. It's an overworld. That's what the term yeah, these different, They're not necessarily islands, but yeah, they're basically these maps. Mm-hmm. And as you beat levels, they unlock gates that allow you to go to other, if you want to call them islands, or other maps that are connected. 
and you drive around this overworld map, but you're literally driving, so you can yep. kind of like practice. You can practice a little bit because what I do is like when I come in cold on this game, I love to just drive around that little world to get the, used to the controls. Mm -hmm. Then I jump into a race and I feel like I'm better prepared. Absolutely. So um, you drive around and there are different races, but you some races you have to collect keys to unlock. So you can't just go to every race that's in that overworld. You have to collect kind of the ticket to get into the race. Yep. So you have to come in first to get that. So you'll have to get hit this race, maybe come in second, then you got to try it again. And once you get that key, you can then unlock other races in that overworld map. And this allows replayability, 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 because not only are you trying to beat the race, once you beat all the races on the map, it unlocks a boss battle. Which is interesting, because we'll Mario... We'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> okay, let's talk about that in a minute. Unlocks a boss battle. Mm -hmm. You beat that boss, you get access to the next world, and you can go through and beat the game just by beating all the bosses. Mm -hmm. But you can also, which is what I did, because I'm a completionist, before I even touch that boss battle, I go back and do the time trials. They do a time trial yeah. where you play the race, but there's boxes everywhere, and those boxes have a one, two, or three on them. And the one, two, and three takes one, two, or three seconds off of your time. Yeah. So you have to get under a certain time, which means not only do I have to go fast, but I have to try to hit as many boxes as possible. And if I can't hit them all, I'm going to make sure I'm hitting the twos and threes, if not the ones. Right. Um, and then there's another one called a key race, which is a normal race. You try to come in first. You have to come in first. Uh, but it's, oh, it's called a CTR race. And hidden throughout the level are three letters, C, T, and R, for Crash Team Racing. Yes. And so you basically have to go into some weird kind of out-of-the-way places that sometimes are tucked behind things you don't see unless you kind of go slow and make see where they are. Right. And you have to get the C, T, and R, and then come in first, and then you get the CTR coin. Of course, there's other random levels where you can't unlock those levels unless you have all the CTR coins, or if you have all of the um, trophies for the uh, time time races so this kind of satisfies your collect uh, like i gotta go back and play the same level multiple times multiple ways and and loved it loved every second of it and what's interesting is in the save file there's mm -hmm. a percentage yep oh i know about the percentage so there's like a list shows you like hey you're 12 percent done with this game hey you're 32 yep. percent done in this game that to me is like in the era before unlocking achievements or this is probably like one of the trophies. earlier games to do that yeah this game has a thing where you really want to up that percentage like i want to get i want to be 100 percent and guess game. what percentage i got eric 100 percent. oh i went 100 percent of this thing i loved the heck out of the solo player version of this game yeah it's a it's amazing i i've gotten into the 80s because oh, this yeah. is a game I've played over the years, mm. and I've gotten into the 80s, but it's always like I lose the save file or something. So I, I find myself restarting this game all the time. I never had a PlayStation, so I don't know a whole lot about a lot of PlayStation games. Okay. Um, I've heard great things about this, but it's always kind of been the other mascot. Nothing against. Like, what? The, what is that? What is that thing? I'm telling you, this game... When it comes to the graphics, I don't know what's... There's a girl over here who just won second. She's on her laptop. Yeah, she's busy, man. <laughs> and then in third place is like a, a cylinder with a fire hazard and a tail. Yeah. I don't know what that is. All right, I have sorry. No idea. <laughs> um, all right, so last thing I have to mention, though. Okay. Boss battles are garbage. <laughs> right. So the boss battles are these guys who are like, you were fast enough to beat all the lands, you know, all the other races in this land. Now take on me. You'll never beat me. And all they do is they stay in front of you. Like, the computer makes sure they stay in front of you. Pretty much. You can't win this if you race. Right. There's no way for you to win this as race. What you have to do is 
avoid the crap they drop because they'll go and they'll get their first pickup and their first pickup is always something they're going to drop behind them and they can drop it infinitely mm-hmm. and they're going to drop it right down the middle of the track like every two seconds bloop 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 so your racing line is covered with garbage that's going to make you spin out crash and lose mm-hmm. so you're just sitting there trying to like ride the edges uh hoping to get some kind of power up that you're going to save you want to be close enough to the the guy in front of you like the rockets you get three rockets uh, by the way, if you shoot a rocket and he drops something, the rocket will go and hit that. So, so yeah, so you, you like hit shoot, him. You got to shoot like all three rockets while he's near you. The first two are going to hit garbage. The third one might hit him, and then he's going to spin out. You're going to pass him, but he, if you're not careful, he's going to pass you by real quick. Yeah. So then you got to hope to get some kind of the, either a tiki mask or something else that's going to boost you ahead of him, and you want to time that so that you're near the very end of the race right before you do that, so you can beat him. Right. It is very difficult. It is very difficult and frustrating. And it's garbage. It's frustrating, uh, it's, yeah. It, it is not the fun part. Of everything about the game, I love the boss battles. I love that they had boss battles. I did not like the way it was implemented. I agree with you. I thought it was a novel idea, like a racing game with a boss battle. That's pretty crazy. But it, it you're right. It's very frustrating. Mm-hmm. In fact, the, the times that I'm playing this and really into it and I hit a boss battle, it's the times I usually just stop playing and go do something else for a while. I would love it if, me. Every, like if maybe the first boss did that. Yeah. It'd be a novel, but annoying. And then, then maybe the next boss attacked you a different way. Like, when you got near him, he kind of, like, seeked you out and tried to hit you or something. Yeah. And then maybe the next boss did something else. There'd like, be some cool things, like uh, he could power up by, like, shooting little mini-hymns, and they could become racers in the game. Yeah, some something kind of like novel that. thing that yeah. you're like, hey, how am I going to beat this boss? And once you figure it out, it's a fair fight. Yep. Rather than just, I'm going to hope I get the right power-ups at the right time yep. and restart it five times. That's CTR, Crash Bandicoot, Team Racing. Yeah. So here comes the battle. Here comes the battle, Eric. What do you give Mario Kart 64? All right. Out of... Um, uh, how about out of 50cc engines? Out of 50cc engines? 50-50cc um, engines. 50-50cc engines. Um, out of 50, I give Mario Kart 64... 44. Ooh. Like I said, it's my favorite game on the. Nintendo I'm trying to convert that to 100 so I can think. That'll be like an 88. percent I am gonna give it a 42. 42, okay. I don't want to quite give it a B plus. I think it's a great B game. It's really fun multiplayer, but it is very simple. Mm-hmm. And there's parts about it that I think are kind of boring because it is so family friendly. I yeah, and I and. Solo, it's solo. It's just not that fun, which is honestly where I usually play. I, I I do think that the solo thing is lacking in that game, and but I will say that it is one of the better part party games. I mean, it's when you have friends over or whatever, and you play Mario Kart sixty four. Mm-hmm. It's a, you're gonna have a fun time. Crash Down, Team Racing, yeah. So Crash Team Racing, yeah. You might going first. Sure. At a 50-50cc engines. Yep, knowing that your first one was a 44. 44. I'm going to give it a 47. You have a winner. Yep, I do have a winner. I'm going to give it a 48, Eric. 48. This is my second favorite PlayStation game ever. What's your first one? Symphony of the Night. Is it really? Oh, yeah. I my love first one's Twisted Metal, too. 
I, yeah, that makes sense for you. But this one would be probably my second or third favorite. This is, game is amazing. It hooked me almost instantly. Yeah, I knew it would. I uh, My daughter came and played with me the first day, and we're like, this is kind of fun. Then she went to bed, and I played a little more. And I'm like, all right, I need to turn it off because I want to play this with her. And the next day she was busy, and I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to play it. And next thing I know, I'm like, just... Trying to get that percentage, Knee right? deep in the game, Eric. The, the single player makes it. And and listen... It's so I, good. For me, single player is where it's at. I don't get to play multiplayer that much, so it's an amazing game. Now, I think this is probably my second or third favorite game on the play... Did you play it on the real PlayStation? I'm interested. Or did you play it on the Mini? Why you gotta ask me that, Eric? I'm just wondering. I played this on the Mini. I played mine on the Mini. I mean, for it this. It played it really well. It had a great time. It plays it great. It, there's no lag. That I, I mean, It played great. Yeah, it just plays great. So the mini, it's a perfect. The mini's a perfect platform for this game. It is. Now that being said, I would suggest you guys go out and buy the re-release copy. I kind of got caught up in this one. The re-released. What, what do you mean on the Switch? The CTR Nitro edition. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. In the, the graphics store. look great. The game is so good, and the fact that they re-released that, go give them your money. Um, it is. I mean, I played twenty hours on the PlayStation version. I think that has even more going on for it. It's definitely worth the money. And um, you don't have I, it. On I feel the... a little guilty that I didn't buy that version. I might still go buy it anyways. But the game looked so similar to this that, uh, aside from the graphic enhancements, I'm not sure what else is there. Now that I've 100%ed it, yeah. So I do feel guilty that I didn't just go buy it. Um, I do wonder. There's got to be other stuff in that game. I think there's extras. There has to be. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I, I think there. There. I think it's not just graphical enhancements. I think there are. Yeah. Other tracks or something. I mean, the game's so good. Honestly, I'll probably buy it in a year. Yeah. And then play through the whole thing again with whatever. What would you buy? What platform? Switch? Uh, I mean, yeah, probably. Because I've seen it on the PS4 and the... I don't know. Xbox. I don't know how how well it would do on the Switch. Like, if I want the high-res graphics and stuff, I might PlayStation 4 this one. Yeah. So. Cool. This is a good good battle, though. Awesome game. Yeah, great battle. Good choice. Yes. Thank you very much. And a good show, I might add. Oh. Because that is the end of our show, Eric. Wow. Um, we've Snuck rated, up on me. We've rated everything except for our beer. That's true, and we need to do this because actually the more I drink it, the better it gets. And that might be the 7.4% alcohol. That's, that's probably part of it. So again, this is the Breakfast Hustle Coffee Cake Golden Stout Yep. from New Glorycraft Brewery. What do, you, do you want to choose a scale on this yep. one? I want to rate this one out of... 30 coffee cakes. 30 coffee cakes? All right. This is not an everyday one for me. No, me either. There's a lot going on. It's very complex. There's a lot of tastes. <laughs> there is. There is one taste in here that I've had before on another stout that was light like this mm-hmm. that I don't care for. Fair enough. I don't know what it is. It's something. Yep. Um, if it was without that, I would give this a higher score, but out of, you said, how many? 30? 30, yep. 30? Out of 30 coffee cakes. I'm going to give it a 21. I was going to probably give it about a 20. Okay. Because there is a flavor so, in there that I'm that I'm not gelling with. Yeah. It's a, a borderline CD. It's, um, it's interesting, and I'm glad we live in interesting beer times. <laughs> but um, I'm going to say that, yeah, I, it's not one I'd want to drink every day. That's the beer bomb! That's the beer bomb, yeah. All right. You got a lot left over there. Either you talked a lot or else you didn't like it that much and you haven't drank it very much. It's just much. a hard hard one for me to drink fast. It is hard to drink. Yeah. So. Yeah, which is not a good uh, glowing review, unfortunately. It, 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 it's good. it tastes pretty good. I prefer their gummy worm ale, which is delicious. Yeah, I need to try that one. 
All right, Eric. All right. That is another episode. Um, next episode, we are going to have Tea Time with Tim. Yes. We're going to have Cody's Corner. Wow. And we're going to have Eric's, Eric's take. take all in one episode. Uh, Tim will not be joining us, unfortunately. So this is going to be a um, no live Tim episode, but we have him in spirit with Tea Time. Yes. Um, so we also uh, are going to cover what we have been doing lately. Mm-hmm. I touch on some non-gaming things that I think gamers would be interested in. Oh. Tim is going to touch on the Atari ST line of computers. And I'm talking about Mobile Mania. Mobile Mania? I don't even know what that means, Eric, but I'm excited to find tune out. Tune in to find out. You have include, to tune in. Does it include Symphony of the Night for two ninety nine? No, but... I, it should. It should. It should. You're right. Perfect. All right, guys. Well, at the end of every episode of Pixel Guide In, we like to let you know that it's... Dangerous, dangerous to, to go, go alone. alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1149. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. <laughs>